Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, living the dream once again here on a fabulous sports Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there in unmatched selection. Fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, I felt like we were with each other for all of yesterday. I was departing here yesterday saying i will see you who knows maybe next week martin and then the next thing i know martin weiss is here right now it's just musical chairs i mean bo's about to take the producer chair over that uh he he tried to run me out of the update chair yesterday now monty's in the update chair you're the constant steve how does that so you just know it all for the, all the weekend you're the constant <laughs> i just so I, whether it's good I, or bad you know there's only one constant well i i never take any days off but i love martin's work ethic here see i i some people have asked me over the years martin all right so how do you navigate being in this business for as long as you've been in this business which right now is 35 years and part of it is always saying yes you know yes are you yes can you do it yes yes and you have the same mindset well you know i dare say i am passing the baton to you martin as the uh, single most dedicated hard-working man in this organization. Well, you see, I continue to say yes because the bills keep coming and saying no, <laughs> no, no. Go back to work, boy. Get back to it, pal. <laughs> and so as I pulled into the driveway last night, or the garage last night, and I got the text from uh, old Scott Shapiro. He's like, can I put you on call? I was like, please. In fact, call me anyway. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's good to get that call. It's when the calls stop coming that you have to worry. So anyway, we got four hours coming up here on the show today, and uh, Monsi's here to do the updates. Shay's here. What, what's going on there? What's happening here? What's what? What's going on, Chris? It's the uh, it's the usual 10 a.m. handoff. Yeah, just you know, trying to get podcasts posted, <laughs> chairs moved. It, but it, this is the uh, this is the Ben Roethlisberger to Le'Veon Bell handoff, which is taking that much longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got the pace of standing there behind the offensive line, just chilling. Well, you should I try mean, working with the software sometime. See how fast it takes you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that everyone is now exhaling after the end of a football season. You know, we look forward to the football season. It's frantic. I know on our Sunday show, the uh, Red Zone Radio, the Rich Orenberger and I have done for years. Monty's been a big part of that as well. You know, you just gear up. Like, we're going to sit down and we're going to be there to kick off nine games simultaneously. Let's roll with it. And you keep that pace throughout the football season between the NFL and college football. And then it's over. And let's face it, February is one of those months looking for an identity. I mean, what is the sports identity? You can think, Martin, of almost any month, and you can associate that month with a sport. Now, you could say September, October, November, December, January, even the beginning of February, obviously, is football. But every this has always been that month that sort of stands out as the, all right, exhale month. You know, we still haven't gotten to the playoffs. March Madness is not here yet. Baseball is just beginning in spring training. How do you identify the month of February? Uh, I normally identified it as Mardi Gras as a kid who grew up <laughs> in New Orleans. That was where we would generally be at. But I think really what you see here and what you've seen, especially in uh, the world of women's college basketball, is we are lacking a college basketball star in the way that we have had some college basketball stars in the past. Because while I think right now you'd be paying attention to uh, a Zion Williamson at Duke is the last kind of big transcendent college male college basketball star. And I think all real eyes are on Caitlin Clark at Iowa. Oh, there's no doubt she's the biggest college star right now. But I think that's 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 February into March has kind of been that. It's like the, we're grinding down conference play, getting into conference tournaments soon, and it's kind of like at least for me, this is when I was like, all right, let me lock in on college basketball because the next thing I'm going to have to do, honestly, Steve, to try to win some money is fill out the brackets. Well, and and I tell you how it's worked with me over the many many years following college basketball. I know I'm a college sports guy first. Obviously, I love the NFL, love Major League Baseball, love the NBA, love major sports out there. But there's something about the college game that has always had a huge appeal to me. College football is my number one sport, uh, and college basketball is not that far behind. But it is a sport that has thrived despite the fact that it lacks star power. And it's been this way for quite a while. You mentioned Zion, but remember Zion and that Duke team did not make it to the Final Four. Oh, no. They had R.J. Barry. You know, they had that whole team out there. didn't get to the Final Four. You look at the MOPs, most outstanding player of every Final Four since Anthony Davis had his one-and-done year leading Kentucky to the title in 2012. It literally is a who's who of who's that. <laughs> I mean, completely anonymous names in terms of what they did after they left the college game and yet it doesn't matter because March Madness is such a unique event in this country and I've said this many times there are three days of the year that should be national holidays 
due to their impact in the sports world. One of them should be the Monday after the Super Bowl. Because when a game is kicking off at 3.30 on the West Coast, that's 6.30 on the East Coast. And you're late into the evening, raging parties all over the country. You're not ready to show up for work on Monday. I saw several people tweeting or on Xing, I guess, now, uh, when the game went to overtime. It's like, hold on a minute. I'm old. I'm not, oh, wait, 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 what are we doing? I mean, uh, I can't do too. Wait, free football? Who asked for this? <laughs> well, no one, no one is going to work the next day after that because it's it's a full day of partying plus the game. That's one day. But the other two days that need to be taken off are the first two days of the NC basketball tournament. That Thursday and Friday, 16 games on Thursday, 16 games on Friday. No one's working. Everyone's staring at their brackets. Everyone's got dreams of grandeur those first couple of days. You start crossing off teams. You're circling teams that win. You're completely consumed by your brackets. Steve, Those were, days should be off days. There were two days I vividly remember that were moments of like, all right, when I was trying to find what I was going to do with my life, I was like, all right, I got to either stop paying attention to sports or find a way to get paid for paying this much attention to sports. But, Steve, I had a D-minus. In Spanish class of all classes, of which I actually know more Spanish than I did when I was in, at University of Michigan, had a D minus, and I watched Evan Turner. Uh, again, another guy who was great in college, but he had a good NBA career. Evan Turner hit a half court shot to beat Michigan in the semifinals of the Big Ten uh, Big Ten tournament, and I let out a swear word that if I said it now, we'd have to <laughs> dump it. And I, I'm sitting there in Spanish class with my laptop open, which, believe it or not, we didn't really need the laptop. And I realized in that moment, it's like either I'm going to fail this class, I have to either find a way to get paid to watch these games or stop watching because I'm going to fail out of college. And so I didn't fail out of college but did not find a way to uh, stop watching. That, most, was, that's, that, that was one of them, seriously. All right, quick side note here because, you know, I go down memory lane constantly. You know how this works, Martin, at my age. So the most notorious show that I've ever broadcasted in my entire 35-year career happened on the first day of the NCAA basketball tournament. I'm going to say this was back in, it was in the late 90s. And I had a boss that was putting pressure on me to make the show a little more controversial. Okay. In other words, he he wasn't really what I call a sports guy, so he wanted it to be almost Howard Stern-esque in the content of the show. So he was out of town, and I thought, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give this guy what he wants. Now, there may be somebody out there listening that remembers this show because it really goes down in the annals as one of the most memorable shows in history. So we basically had the idea that we, my producer was going on the air and telling the listeners that me and my partner were off that day because of NCAA tournament coverage that our radio was going to pick up. But in reality, we have set up a secret microphone in Steve Hartman's house as he, we assume, is going to be watching the games at home. Okay. That was a, That's our producer is setting this up. What in reality was happening was we actually were in studio. In fact, I had invited a local TV sports anchor, well-known, and a local college basketball coach, well-known, in on it. So we basically did the show, but we were sort of off mic 
but we were speaking like we're in our house watching the game. We brought alcohol in the studio. It was the full effect. We're getting okay. loaded up on alcohol, snacks, and everything else. And on the air, we are dropping F-bombs, S-bombs, like a bunch of guys watching the game. Like we're watching the actually watching the games. Big shot. Oh, mother F. And this is going out on the air. The board op is trying to dump as much of it as he possibly can, but it's going out over the air. There's only, there's, only, there's only 25 seconds of dump. There's only so much you can do. Right. And all of this is going out on the air. Now, we had a Mexican transmitter, so we could get away with some of this stuff. But the phone lines at the station were blowing up, like saying, does Hartman even know that he's on mic? This is crazyville. So the show ends after three hours of this. Okay. With no anything. And then our boss got wind of what had happened. Now, you think, well, I get fired or something like that. No, he was just like, what happened there? I said, well, you told me to get more outrageous. And he, he, went, he went absolutely ballistic. But no, he didn't He didn't can me. If anything, he said, wow, so you are capable of that. I said, oh, I'm capable of anything. If you want to push me that far, I, I'll take what that happened yesterday to the next mile. But to this day, and then I had messages on machine back in the message machine days right. like, dude, you're on the air right now. They're, 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 you, you're saying the F word. and now That's radio, man. And look, That's and look, radio gold. Steve Hartman, uh, you walked and now Pat McAfee can run, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So now he can say the S word as much as he wants on, on the air. On TV. Uh, and it doesn't uh, bother. All right. Here's what we're going to do today. we got a lot of things going on in the sports world. we got the NBA All-Star Game today. Daytona 500 was supposed to be today, but they've had to push it to tomorrow with rain. we got some stories there. And I, I would like to do, I, I heard Mike and... And Jeff doing this a little bit earlier, but I, I want to look back on 2023. And the thing about looking on an NFL season, team every year this happens where you have like six, about a half a dozen teams that far exceed expectations and a half a dozen teams that fall way short of expectations. So we'll talk about some of that as it transpired in 2023 and take a look ahead make some predictions on what we're going to see in 2024 in the National Football League. Hang on, much more coming up. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This League Uncut, the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. 
They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of and those. Then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Steve Harvey, Mark Weiss, this is Fox Sports Sunday. We are live from the TireRack.com studios. Now, right after the show, our podcast is going up. If you missed any of today's show, be sure to check out the podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. You can see this show posted right after we get off the air. No Daytona 500 today. Martin, I actually never dreamt that I would ever go to Daytona for that race. But in 2009, I got paired with Chris Myers here at Fox Sports Radio. And the first week we were together, we were in Tampa for Super Bowl. And the very next week after we had just flown back from Tampa, I was on a flight right back to Florida to Daytona. Of course, Chris has covered the uh, NASCAR for Fox Sports forever. And there we were in Daytona. I, I will say this. that I didn't stay for the race, but I actually covered it two years in a row. It's quite an event. It really is. Are you into racing at all? I mean, is there anything appealing about being in the racing environment? No. It doesn't do much for me, not one bit. Uh, was, when I think of Daytona, I think of Daytona USA, the video game. <laughs> where you know Daytona. Right. Yeah, that's what I think of, like from the arcade when I was a kid. That's my, that, but that's pretty much where it starts to stop for me. The thing about being at that racetrack is the vertical on that track. Oh, I'm sure. It's, you could not walk up the track. 
Like it would not be humanly possible from the bottom up. The incline is so steep, but obviously the speeds are going. They have to have that incline. You don't really see that on TV, but man, I was like, that is impressive. It's an amazing event, obviously, probably to many, uh, the number one. I love this. It's the only sport that starts its season with its biggest event. I think it's a genius idea. So they start their season with the biggest race of the year. But you know, it would be you know what the NBA should take notes because <laughs> they could put their they need to put their Daytona 500, which I guess unfortunately they did with All Star Weekend. Put that the week after the Super Bowl, and then so now we're all talking about basketball. There you go. All right, you complained about this yesterday, Martin. Here it is. You got the first week after the NFL season, and you launched with the NBA All-Star Game. Did you not watch the competitions last night? Let's start with the the worst of the worst, which is the slam dunk competition, (laughs) where Mac McClung, who is uh, anchored in the G League, wins the competition for the second consecutive year. You had Jalen Brown, an All-Star, you had Jaime Hawkes Jr., a rookie, and honestly, in all his years at UCLA, nothing impressed me about his dunks, so I was sort of curious about that selection. And then you essentially have two G-leaguers. That's your four-man field for the slam dunk competition. Here's what I would do if I were the NBA. Since it seems like they've come up with every possible variation of a dunk, like nothing's new. Nothing's new. No. Why don't you do this? In golf, they have long ball competitions. Now, none of these guys play on the PGA Tour. They're usually giant guys, big arms, long drivers, and they just swing out of their heels and hit it 450 yards. Why not have a, I don't know, find the best dunkers around the country? Just being a good basketball player doesn't mean... If you could just dunk, like that's the one skill you have, like Matt McClung, apparently, because if he had any other skills, he would be playing in the NBA. But why don't we do that? I mean, if you're going to continue on with this NBA slam dunk competition and you keep handing the trophy to a guy in the G League, forget that. Just go around the country. Find those. They're on social media, on YouTube, right? We see guys doing crazy things with dunks. Put them in the competition. See, that's what I want to see. That's not, that's, you know, I don't, I disagree. I think that, like, well, I think if you want to do that, you could have one thing be separate. But the reason why people are watching the slam dunk contest in general are, are, are like a kid like me, I grew up watching the slam dunk contest. I vividly remember Vince Carter telling everybody it was over. Oh, like, I remember those moments from my childhood, and it was one of the things that I was thinking about as I was watching this yesterday. The reason why is because we want to see the stars. We want to see the stars. Like you go, like you said, now everything's been repeated. Everything's been done before. Same is true of Hollywood. There's like no original ideas anymore coming out with new movies. No, it's all a reboot. One of the biggest commercials in the Super Bowl was for Wicked. That story, the, the, the Wizard of Oz, is a story as old as time. 
right? But no, they're going to do Wicked because it's the remix. You know what's going to have in that movie? A ton of stars, people that you have already heard of and that you know, and you know that you're like, I'm going to go see it because Denzel is in this movie or because Brad Pitt is in this movie or George Clooney's in this movie. What's it about? I don't know. I'm watching it because George Clooney's in it. That's why I commend Jalen Brown. Because you know why? Because he would have been an all-star weekend for another reason. Because he's an all-star. Like, the the, the, the idea that we're giving that G-leaguers are competing, Jaime Hawkins Jr., that's great and fine. At least he's in the NBA. But if you wanted to set it up in some form or fashion where you have, like, two or three all-stars, and then Jaime Hawkins Jr. is the guy who's everybody's like, wait, who is this again? That'd be great. Like, Fred Jones, he he was calling the dunk contest yesterday, or, or giving out scores. Scoring, I guess, is the is the verb to use there. <laughs> he was scoring the dunk contest. He wasn't a superstar when he was in the league, but he was in it with other all-stars. And then when he wins it, everybody's like, damn, he really earned that thing because he beat a whole bunch of guys that we already know. That's the that's what would that was what would revitalize the dunk contest is get people who we already know in the dunk contest. Why it's it's not the seventh round of the draft. Why am I learning about you in this moment? Like as your name is being called to go participate. No. That's the holdup. Well, why do you think they don't want to participate? You know what the conspiracy theory Martin says? You ready for this? Everybody everybody turn your radio down just a little bit and take your tin hat and just adjust it slightly. I think it has something to do with the sneaker companies. Jalen Brown is a sneaker-free agent. He's not signed with Adidas. He's not signed with Nike, not Reebok, not nobody. I think I wonder, all right? Because like, like Giannis, he's got his signature shoe. Does Nike say, Giannis, I know you want to do the dunk contest, but you can't because if you lose, people might buy less shoes. Jason Tatum, yeah, signature shoe. I know you might want to do it, but if you lose, might lose. You know, this ain't something about the shoes. What if you blow out your shoe? Like, uh, so who's that? Zion, Zion like Zion. What if you have a Zion on the court? And all you of a sudden, have you got a shoe in the stands because it flew off the foot. Now what? <laughs> now what? I like that theory. I think that's a very sound theory. And you think think about the guys, think about the all-stars who are, you know, Devin Booker just released a signature shoe last night. You know, like these guys are, are bringing out with their signature shoes and now their brand is bigger than them just playing. All right, so then just eliminate the competition. I, listen, you know, I think they really should do. I had this, comp, you know, just to spin off of this. I don't. I got, may have a conspiracy theory, but I also have solutions. All right? That's what separates me from the rest of you conspiracy theorists. They should do Team Nike versus Team Adidas. Team, team, you know, Team Adidas versus Team Under Armour. Really? That'd be great, but what, what happens Ferrari. to the losing team? Go. What happens to the losing team? Make a better product. Brand. Make a better product. Get yeah. better athletes. Get better athletes. <laughs> Somebody's got to win and lose. This so, is like, like F1. Right. Anything that could potentially take money out of the players' pockets, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to take that risk. But I think that's why. there you Because big sneaker is in the way. From, the, it's holding us back from a great dunk contest. All right. On the other side, we'll talk about what was the highlight yesterday. But first, let's find out what is trending right now. Now, despite the fact that she is diminutive in stature, <laughs> when we talk about someone that has hops, 
Monty Bolaños has hops. I mean, she she plays volleyball. Uh, I like to think that I have hops, but I don't think they're as good as Mac McClung's hops. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, those hops are nuts. Have you ever worn a sneaker based on whose feet are attached to that sneaker? Um, I, I don't know if I've been like, I don't want that shoe because it's this player, but I guess I've been on the other side of it where I'm like, oh, the sh- shoes I play volleyball in are Russell Westbrook shoes that I bought. I like, why not? Yeah, why not? And uh, it's a kid's shoe, so it's colorful. Like people are like, "Ooh, where'd you get your shoe?" I was like, "It's a kid size." And I don't think they make them in men's, so sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, it works out. But, but I've never not bought a shoe because it belonged to someone. This theory of yours, um, Martin, I don't, I, I, I'm into it. But what about the three-point shooting contest? How is that not the same idea? If you lose this. My sales go down. Yeah, but for whatever reason, we're fine with people losing a three-point contest. <laughs> like Sabrina INS, you lost three-point contest yesterday, and everybody went crazy. They had ad ad rollouts and everything. They said if you can, if you can shoot, you can shoot, boy or girl. Yeah, well, you're, not, you're not really. I mean, it's a jump shot, but you know, the shoes are not an impact and no, making yeah. three-point shots. Yes, yeah, no. I mean, I think what was crazy about Sabrina, which is, I, I the whole time I was like. I was giving a lot of credit to Steph Curry for doing it because I thought it's a lose-lose situation for him. If he wins, people are going to be like, why did you have to beat a girl? If he loses, you lost to a girl. And it actually became a win-win situation because Sabrina scored the same amount as the guys during the three-point shooting right. contest. I really thought it was a, a win-win, which I, I didn't think could be the well, outcome. And, and, and we're going to get into this on the yeah. other side, but... Uh his whole attitude about the competition amazing. was amazing. Amazing. And I agree. it worked for her. It worked for, for him. It yeah. worked for the league. Look, the NBA has been keeping the WNBA afloat all these years. Yes. There was true. a time when David Stern, there were some WNBA players that approached David Stern about the pay. Right. And his response was swift and to the point. Yeah. Either accept what we pay you or I'll pull the plug on the league today. Simple as that. That's, those are your two options. Right. And right. that was the end of that. Yeah, so it's it's nice to see a little, a little change here and there. Let's check in with college hoops. We got two games going on in top 25 men's college basketball. Number 24, Florida Atlantic, losing to South Florida 66-41 to 41, with about 12 minutes to go in the game. Number two, Purdue has a slight lead over Ohio State 22-19 late in the first half. And on the ladies' side, just because South Carolina has not lost a game this season, they are 24 I know right now they're taking on Georgia and they are tied at 26 with six minutes to go in the second quarter. No NASCAR today. The opening Daytona 500. It was supposed to happen this afternoon. Not happening because of inclement weather. So it's going to start tomorrow, Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we still have the Genesis Invitational going on. Patrick Cantley is supposed to tee off in about less than an hour or so. And he's in the lead at 14 under par overall. Back to you guys. All right, Monsi. Thank you very much. Jace. And by the way, thank you for breakfast again, Oh, yes. Monty. I know. Marion got to be a part of it. Yeah. You remember yesterday, Chris was moaning and groaning I know. about you being here without breakfast. I, and I'm was, like, well, we're not breakfast. Though. Yeah. It, and it was Saturday. Yeah. And I almost didn't bring him one, but I told him I'm going to not bring him one excited. randomly. Very appreciative. <laughs> I'm speaking for Chris. I, I was groveling. Yes. <laughs> he was groveling Hands out. Hands out in supplication. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Monty. We'll Jace. check in with you a little bit later. Steve Hartman, Marvin. 
Martin Weiss with you here, Fox Sports Sunday. So the INSQ matchup with Steph I thought was interesting all around. I agree with what Monty said. I was thinking, wow, this is sort of a lose-lose for Steph. Um, you know what was interesting? I don't know if you watched the whole thing, Martin, but they're doing I, their warm I was warm-ups. here on the radio. So they're doing the warm-ups, and she finished her warm-ups on the left corner. And she airballed three of the five shots that she put up from that. And that's where she started. And she made five for five. Now, I'm watching this thinking, okay, this this woman is a serious shooter. I mean, I know that. I mean, she's obviously one of the big stars of the WNBA. She puts up a 26, which was the exact same score that Dame put up to win the men's competition. The only difference was she was using a WNBA ball, but the distance was identical. They had given her the option before the competition to shoot from the WNBA three-point line. She said, no, I'll shoot from the NBA three-point line. She used a WNBA ball. But when she posed the 26 and Steph missed a couple of shots early, then he hit his last four in a row. And, uh, you know, and, you know, for him, fortunately, won the competition. But I thought his attitude was great, and I thought it was it was something different. I was actually into it and very much engaged in watching that competition. And, of course, down the line, you get a Caitlin Clark with her ability to seemingly hit a shot from anywhere on the court. I think it's an intriguing competition. I said the only way I thought it wasn't going – like, I get the lose-lose, like, for Steph, but really the loss would have been, like, if if uh, if Sabrina came out and only hit, like, 15. You know, if she, like – Right, like, she like, gets wiped if, out. If she just gets wiped out, annihilated, then Steph can't win either way because now you definitely can't lose, but it's like, like to what – how far do I go – you know how how many how many do I make? Because Steph did come, no warm up, no nothing, and hit three or oh, thirty uh, thirty thirty points, whatever through the three point shootout, money balls, and so on and so forth. But like you said, Sabrina hit twenty six, so she was right there with them. But that would have been that would have been this that the poem. Oh, this is uncomfortable. If she only hit like ten of thirty, like ten of a potential thirty, and then Steph came out and just cleared the racks the way that he did. But um, I mean, sure. We used to do that. Then we used to do this with all the. I remember there used to be it. It would be a WNBA player, an NBA player, and then an NBA like alumni player. Then they would play like a three on three with uh, other teams that represent. I have a vivid memory of of uh, Cheryl Swoops, Katino Mobley, and now I can't remember who the the legend player was. But this is back when they were both playing in the actual in in their respective professional leagues, and then playing like three on three. So I don't have any issue with integrating the WNBA into the All Star uh, into the All Star weekend. I really don't. It's but I would say maybe try to line them up a little bit better or integrate the NBA into the WNBA All Star weekend because I don't the WNBA All Star weekend normally is the first weekend of NBA Summer League. Which the whole entire league is in Las Vegas for it. Well, I'm I'm watching her put up that 26, which again was the same thing that Dame Lillard did to win the the competition. And I'm thinking, if they had matched her up with anyone other than Steph Curry, oh, you think that that she would have won? Like if they if they well, have- I'll put it this way: Steph Curry held his cool, which he knew he would. He needed to make those last four in a row. Sure. Now, if anyone else is in that situation, I don't know if they would have held up to the pressure. And then how do you handle that situation if she beats you? Um, (laughs) That would have been, I think, if Steph had lost, 
he could handle it, right? Because he's Steph Curry's way beyond that. But a lesser star player, I don't know if that would fly. Are you into battle the sexes type of thing? You know, it's such a weird time for us in America right now where, you know, there's an argument between the separation of the sexes and the inclusion of everybody. So are just all in one big happy family. It's hard for me because I was there in the very beginning in terms of the growth of women's collegiate sports after Title IX. When I was at UCLA, the first ever women's Final Four back when it was AIAW was run by UCLA. CLA at Poly Pavilion. My dear friend Ann Myers was the star of the team. Uh, they had another great player, Denise Curry, on that team. And then years later, I was introduced to another friend of mine, Cheryl Miller, who I still maintain to this day is the best female basketball player I've ever seen in my life. I so mean, I've been following this for so many years, and I keep hearing the same complaint time again. Well, you know, it's not the men's game, this, that, and everything else. All I know is because you were talking earlier about where's the star power in men's college basketball, there's no doubt that Caitlin Clark is by far the biggest star in college basketball this year. It's not even close. I'll give you that. She's filling arenas everywhere she goes. I'm not exactly where where it falls, but between Caitlin Clark and Juju Watkins, it's definitely uh, in the top. There are two of the top five most recognizable yeah. college athletes or college basketball players, I should say. And they're probably not uh, one in three. <laughs> like, no. Well, I mean, after Juju put up 51 for SC and, you know, that was like, wow, okay. She, yeah. could, she could actually pull this thing off. Maybe. Yeah, she can go. So, uh, I, you know, I felt really good for Sabrina last night. Because she held up under immense pressure. As you mentioned, if she had gone out and just gotten obliterated, which was potentially the case, going against the greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry and forcing him, forcing him to have to hit those final shots just to edge her out, that says a lot about her. And, and, you know, keep in mind, Steve, it's not exactly, I mean, I don't know how much of this you were watching live at the moment, but... The, the whole floor was green. Like it's like I'm oh, not saying that like why? Sabrina would be like a, you know it, it, shook by a major crowd or anything like that. But obviously sold out arena. But how many times are you shooting a three pointer when the when the whole floor is lime green and switching back and forth between lime green and yellow? I mean, you, you only get a couple practice rounds for that. You know, it's impressive to me. Very impressive. Be able to fight through the well, elements. I mean, and we'll see what it does. I mean, is this hap- is this going to have an impact for you listening out there that would just say, not in a million years would I watch the WNBA? Never, ever, 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 ever. I'm never going to watch a women's basketball game. I don't care about Caitlin Clark. I don't care about the WNBA. But you just saw this Sabrina Inescu <laughs> toe-to-toe in a three-point shooting contest with the greatest shooter ever, Steph Curry. Ever. So maybe you should reconsider uh, some of your viewing habits out there. All right. Now, on the other side, I'm going to switch gears on you once again. This is how you know I operate, Martin, so you're you're used to this. You never know where we're going. I had no idea. All I know is I'll be here for another three hours. <laughs> but I do want to get into a sport that is starting right now. I'm going to get a gauge what I think is a, a changing of a face of a certain sport, and it's a good change. Let's explain. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harbin, Martin Weiss, this is Fox Sports Sunday. We are live from the TireRack.com studios. We're going to get into 
what happened in 2023 in the NFL and what to look forward to in 2024 in the next hour. But right now, I just want to touch a little bit, Martin, on another sport that's uh, just getting started right now. In fact, later this week, we're going to get our first spring training exhibition baseball games, and the process begins to get ready for another baseball season and i have to admit last year i had a little trepidation i was i was a little nervous because they were introducing a bunch of rules changes and the one that made me most nervous was the pitcher clock because one of the beauties of baseball is there is no clock at least that used to be the tradition right you you don't have you know like in any other sport you're down 20 points with 10 seconds left the game is over but you could be down 20 runs with one out to go, and it's conceivable. There is a chance that a team could rally and win the game because there is no clock. I went to a Dodger game early in the season, and I could not take my eyes off of this clock. <laughs> I mean, it's there's one right behind home plate, obviously, the pitcher can see, and then you have one in the outfield where the, the hitter can see, and I'm thinking, this is just not going to work. Well, guess what? I was wrong, wrong, wrong. It was brilliant. It was a stroke of genius. It made the game shorter. I went to afternoon games that were barely two hours long. And the games moved. They eliminated the shift so that there was more offense in the games. Every rules change they made worked. So now here we are a year later, and I find myself, for the first time in a long time, Feeling it. I'm ready for a baseball season. Oh, I'm definitely ready for baseball season. I, I I really enjoy baseball because it's all day, all the time. There's always a baseball game on, especially if you live on the West Coast because they start so early. There's always a baseball game on uh, from start to finish. So it's a great it's 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 a great background noise sport. The one rule that I didn't like though, and I wish they would I wish they would consider changing it back. I feel like pitchers should have to throw four balls to intentionally walk somebody. Because, I, I mean, we saw Miguel Cabrera hit a home. Now, I know I can say, if you could, this is one of the things I like to say on my show, Steve, all the time. I know you listen every single Saturday, so you've heard this before. As but I'm just, leaving here, you know I'm locked in with you and VJ. But if you can sit there and name the name the specific instances in which something happened, those are called outliers, and they don't normally, shouldn't inform the way you move around and the way you make decisions. But, like, Miguel Cabrera hit a home run on a pitch that was supposed to be like a, 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 an intentional walk attempt. Sometimes pitchers would lose, kind of lose their uh, lose their way after throwing four balls way outside, and then having to come back and strike out the next guy. I thought that was the rest of the rules didn't fundamentally change to me the game in the same way. Like you said, the, the clock, right? Well, it's not a clock on the entire length of the game. It's more like a shot clock in basketball, right? So there still is no final end of regulation clock right it's it's just a shot clock where if you don't if you don't shoot if you don't throw the if you don't pitch the ball in a certain time then eh, all right you got to do it again 
and there's a punishment attached to it, but it still didn't change, like, base size. It didn't fundamentally change the game. The shift didn't fundamentally change the game, or actually probably changed it back to what it, the way it used to be, but that's the that was the one. You, I feel like you should but, have to throw but, four balls in the dirt bef- to, to intentionally walk somewhere. And that rule was put in several years ago before they introduced more effective rules to actually shorten the games. I remember when they introduced that rule with the idea, well, this will help shorten games. They didn't shorten the game at all. Not at all. So I agree with you, and by the way, the most famous instant of how you can use that. The Reds were playing the Oakland A's in the World Series, 1972. Johnny Bench is at the plate, the Hall of Fame catcher of the Reds. Raleigh Fingers is on the mound, Hall of Fame relief pitcher for the A's. And they're pitching carefully because they have first base open to Bench. And the count gets the 3-2. to two. And then the catcher, Gene Tennis, stands up and puts his arm out saying, all right, we're not going to take any chances. We're going to give him the intentional exactly. walk. Bench is standing there. He can see that, obviously, the catcher behind him has stood up. And then, instead of throwing wide, Tennis gets back in his crouch and Fingers throws it right down the middle for a strike. Strike three, you're out. It was it was a great decoy play, one of the great in a World Series game, no less. But they sold bench that we're going to finally out. We're going to just walk it because first base is open. But instead of taking a wide pitch, tennis gets back in his crouch. Fingers throws it right down the middle. Bench is just standing there, like what just happened. Strike three, you're out. See, yeah, so shit. And that's fun. Took a little bit of the strategy out of it. It took some of the thought process out of it because you can't have a three-two count. You know what? No, 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 no. Once once you, yeah, he would go right to first base. I I like that idea because again, that rule was put in several years ago when they were trying to figure out ways to quicken the game, but they they finally figured it out. Uh, And 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 look, this is a. I guess one of the big stories, obviously, well, the biggest story is going to be Shohei Otani in a Dodgers uniform. And I, a little bit later, maybe we can get into that because this is going to be, well, let's do it right now. Shohei Otani is still someone that I'm trying to figure out if Major League Baseball has figured out how to best utilize this once in a lifetime talent. Are they marketing him in a proper way? Or does that take care of itself now that he takes off an Angels uniform and puts on a Dodgers uniform? I was about uniform? to say, I think uh, we'll, it's yet to be determined, but we'll see because I, I I know this. I know way more about his spring training now as a Dodger. <laughs> Apparently, he can't keep the ball inside the park uh, than I did when he was at any point in Anaheim. All right, we got a lot of different sports to get to, but on the other side, we'll talk about what just transpired in the NFL in 2023. What's ahead in 24? Keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Yes, rolling along here on a very busy Sports Sunday. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection. Over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We will not have the Daytona 500 today. It's been delayed because of inclement weather so it'll take place tomorrow instead so that's a loss on the sunday we will have the nba all-star game later is that something you'll be watching martin will you be watching a game where the over-under is around 360 does that have uh, any Uh, interest for you i think i'm going to be watching this the same way that uh you know people who you know just tap into the super bowl because it's like the super bowl party Mm -hmm, you know so they're like watching i'll be watching the all-star game similar to that like i'll be bringing the bean dip (laughs) <laughs> is that your favorite is that your go-to i mean it, it would be I, I see i'm not the best cook uh, i know how to make a few things very well right right 
And so, but the majority of that is like shrimp and salmon and those types of things, like things that my sister taught me how to make. But when I was trying out there, ruffled on my own, Steve. Yes. I was having trouble <laughs> with, uh, with, with meat, like right. chicken, beef. Right, I'd either, right, right. I'd either undercook it and get sick or I'd burn the living hell out of it. So it would be, you know, it would look like who did it and why after uh, you put it on the plate. So what I started to do, I started to make a lot of vegan food. Because if you undercook vegan food, right. you can't get sick. You know, you can't get sick. It's just raw. You know, what's going to, uh, you know, so undercooked black beans aren't going to kill you. Undercooked chicken. <laughs> so might, yeah, a lot of beans in you, your in your diet. Well, back when I was out there, uh, you know, in in that world, yeah, you know, yeah. Little, little bean dip, little, well, now bean, you have a steak, chili, steak little. every night, so it's a different world for yeah, you. I know the, now I've I've gotten better at yeah. the grill, <laughs> better. All right, I wanted I want to talk some NFL in this hour with you, Martin, because we just finished the year. And once again, the Kansas City Chiefs are atop. It didn't look that way for much of the season. They underperformed, certainly by their standards, throughout most of the regular season. Yeah, well, most of the Super Bowl. So. And most of the Super Bowl. I mean, how dismal did they look in that first half? And when you think about it, we just had Steve Wilkes fired as the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs or of the defense coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers after his defense held Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to 19 points in regulation. And one of those touchdowns was a direct result of a punt landing on somebody's foot like a gift touchdown. And he gets fired. He gets fired. See, this is one of the reasons why I like the CEO head coaches as opposed to the play calling head coaches because sometimes you get moves like this with the play calling head coaches where it's like, well, I, this was a definite uh, fall guy scenario. That's, that's absolutely what it was because you can't fire the offensive coordinator because you are the offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> that or is the, a fact. Or the GM who traded three first round picks to go get Trey Lance. But oh, wait, that's because Kyle Shanahan basically is the GM, you know. Well, well, don't do say that? that to John Lynch. I think my I, I've known John Lynch since he was a student at Stanford, so I I still believe he's making a lot of the calls. They did have a big argument though on whether or not Trey Lance was the guy, and you're right about who decided Trey Lance was the guy. So I'm looking back on this 2023 season, a team that is certainly no shock to win the championship based on what we thought before the season actually won the championship. That being the Kansas City Chiefs. When I look back on this season, the two teams that were in my book, clearly the two teams that came out of nowhere based on my preseason expectations, one in each conference, that would be the Houston Texans in the AFC and the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC. I mean, I could have made an argument along with the Arizona Cardinals coming into the year that those would be arguably the three worst teams in the league. The Texans would have a rookie coach after firing two one-and-done coaches. Mm -hmm. They would have a rookie quarterback that a lot of people were suspect on because overinflated numbers at Ohio State, we'd seen this play out many times before. And those guys had failed to produce anywhere near at that level once they got into the NFL. And as far as the Rams are concerned, we have a big list here at Fox Sports Radio where all the on-air people make their predictions on the upcoming season. And one of the things we have to predict is who will be the worst team in the league, and I had the Rams. And I even had a little insight on that. Tyler Higby, the Rams' tight end, and I had dinner together before the season began with former Ram Eric Dickerson. And 
the over under and the Rams wins was like five and a half. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you guys can't win six games, six. And he looked at me like, we got problems. We got a lot of problems. There's no depth on this team. If we get Stafford to be healthy and we get Aaron Donald to be healthy, we could win some games. We have no depth. We have any injuries, we're done. And there they are at 10-7, and seven and they make the playoffs. And then this, the thing that's funny, too, because I would have agreed with that statement. Oh, there's no depth. There's no depth there. Well, you know, uh, Cooper Cup started the season on injured reserve. Right. <laughs> you know, with the degenerative hamstring issue. I was like, they're definitely done now. Then all of a sudden, uh, Puka Nakua. Right. Whoever the hell that is. You know, just comes out of BYU and uh, into uh, the <laughs> touchdowns. Okay, who could have predicted before the season began that the Rams would have two uh, pro bowlers named Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams? All right. Our, just, <laughs> I mean. If I had told you that the Rams would have two, two pro bowlers and none of them would have been Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, or Cooper Cup, you would have looked at me like I was crazy. Well, I mean, they did make it, but Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams? But that's what's, uh, I mean, that was the whole point. It was like, this is what happens every single year in the NFL. Things happen. Again, I'm looking at, okay, maybe Stafford can stay healthy. Maybe Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup is hurt, blah, blah, blah. They have nothing else. And then there's Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams. And all of a sudden, the Rams are a playoff team. Give Sean McVay a lot of credit. He's a hell of a coach. So those are the two teams that I looked at like – how did this happen? And by the way, can I make a quick note here on the Houston Texans? Because I'm still trying to figure this one out. So D'Amico Ryans lost NFL Coach of the Year. He actually tied Kevin Stefanski, but they gave it to Stefanski because he got one more first place vote. There were 50 people, media people, that voted for Coach of the Year. Uh-huh. Each of the awards, 50. And they were to fill out first, second, and third on their ballot. So you got three spots in your ballot. First, second, third. Seven of the 50 voters did not have D'Amico Ryans in their top three. How is that possible? How is it possible that you could fill out a Coach of the Year ballot for 2023 and you got three slots and you do not have D'Amico Ryans in your top three. Because I think I think it's very much the way that the NFL MVP goes, where there's no, like, they are, especially in NBA MVP to the same extent, they intentionally leave the description vague as to what you're looking for. Because the NFL Coach of the Year typically is, is a guy who – Took a nothing team and made him something, which obviously is what D'Amico Ryans did. Right. But, like, if you're telling me, but if you're just saying, like, strict coaching jobs, then you could look at, like, a Mike Tomlin, a guy who started, uh, you know, three different quarterbacks and still made the playoffs. Well, that was the argument with Stefanski is he loses his quarterback, you know, gets Joe Flacco off the couch. Right. 
So, but like the, to me, that's not what the coach of the year is supposed to represent. In fact, it represents what happened the first time Stefanski won coach of the year when you took a roster who nobody thought was going to do anything, and all of a sudden they are now competing. Like if you had told me that Todd Bowles got a first place vote, I wouldn't have blinked twice because that Tampa team was was slated to be one of the worst in football. And you know what they did? All they did was go one little playoff game on the road. That's it. You know, like you know, that that to me is is who, the coach of the year pool that we should be picking from. But like Kyle Shanahan can't win coach of the year anymore because he's already, you know, the the the, the, the team's success is supposed to be there. I understand. And then that that, that uh, whether it's valid or not, once you like Vince Lombardi, if we really want to go back in time, he won NFL coach of the year his first year. And then after that won five championships. And none of those years was he coach of the year. Phil Jackson won 11 NBA championships. He was coach of the year once. One time. So, yeah, I mean, but still, for D'Amico Ryans to be left off seven ballots, I, I would I like to know which one of those guys justified him not being in the top three choices. All right, so those were the teams that, to me, really came out of nowhere. So I want to start off, in fact, on the other side, I want to get into this because I'm going to take some of the bottom feeders based on what happened in 2023. And there's probably at least two of these teams that are going to be in the playoffs next year. It happens every year. It happens every single year. So we're going to break it down. It's going to happen. And by the way, this is going to help because one of the things we do all this offseason, you know, prop bets and everything else, you know, those over-under preseason predictions on wins, there's going to be teams that are going to obliterate it. You're going to be collecting money well before the season's over by going over. Which teams are they? We're going to tell you this is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harbin and Martin Weiss, this is Fox Sports Sunday. And we are live from the TireRack.com studios. Have a good time once again here and just doing our thing. Talking a little bit about what happened in this last season in the NFL. We talked about two teams that far exceeded anybody's expectations. Don't be fooled. Oh, I knew the Texans would be good. I knew the Rams would be a playoff team again. Lie, lie, lie. No chance. I don't. What kind of odds do you think you could have had of both those teams finishing 10-7 and seven preseason? Oh, how about that for a two-team parlay? Uh, over a thousand to one for sure. <laughs> easy, easy, uh, and easy over. So this happens every single year. Teams that you go into a season saying there's there's no formula that's going to make that team a winner. Nothing. I mean, you try to think about all the different possibilities. If if they all came together, we go back to the Rams, Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams being Pro Bowl players. I mean, you don't even know who those players were when the season began. So but it happens every year. All right, so I'm going to throw some teams out at you, Martin. And I want you to be able to say either no chance, no, or thinking, ah, and then give me a reason why. Let's start with the team at the bottom of the barrel. They were a bad team a year ago. And they were even a worse team in 2023. The Carolina Panthers. No chance. <laughs> okay. No chance. Now, you can't see the Carolina Panthers going 9-8 and eight this year. 
No. You can't see Bryce Young. What was your attitude about Bryce Young coming out of Alabama? Steve, I have a very simple rubric and grading scale for football players. The more they r- remind me of me, the clo- the more out I am. I'm about 6'2 and about 240, but I'm not very – It's not, I'm not built out of muscle by any stretch, right? And I'm not – I'm about an inch taller than where'd you play at height. And uh, when I saw Bryce Young last year's Super Bowl, I was like, oh, wow, he's shorter than me and weighs less than me. I, uh, I'm out. That was pretty much it because I know I don't qualify, you know, so I didn't think he did either. Well, I remember being in San Diego when they drafted Drew Brees. I met Drew Brees right after the draft. First pick of the second round by the San Diego Chargers. Out of Purdue. And I'm 5'11". And I'm standing there face-to-face with Drew Brees, and he is the exact same height as me. He is 5'11". They list him at six feet. And I'm having this conversation with this guy. And that year, guess who the Chargers signed to start every game that year while they had this rookie, Drew Brees? Doug Flutie. (laughs) So they signed Doug Flutie, who started every game that year for the Chargers. Doug Flutie is 5'8 And I remember many times sitting down with Doug Flutie saying, how is it possible that you can see anything down the field? When you have an offensive line that's averaging 6'5", and they're standing up blocking guys that are the same height, you got all those big bodies. How do you see anything? What did he say? He says, here's what you have to understand. I've always been this height. So yeah. my perspective, it wasn't like I shrunk down and suddenly had to figure out how to navigate suddenly being five foot eight and a half, five nine, whatever. I've always been this height. So my perspective in football has never changed. I've always been shorter. So my view down the field, looking between bodies, through bodies, wherever to find my advantage, plus having a pretty good sense. And he had a good arm. I mean, bottom line, still have to have an arm. Sure. And he had an arm. But he goes, that's the whole point. I'm not, it's not like I was 6'2", and all of a sudden I woke up one day, I'm 5'8 and a half, try to figure it out. So I've always seen the field the same way. So when you say, well, how do you see the field? I don't know how you see the field if you're 6'5". I only know one perspective on the field, and it's never been a problem for me. And that's the same thing with Bryce Young. Well, but the, but it's not, though, because he did wake up one day and everybody else was taller and faster and bigger and stronger. But when the he, same when, thing happened with Doug Flutie. I have not given up on Bryce Young. Look, I have not given up on this guy. When you can point out the two people that it worked for, three if you want to add in Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, another one. I don't know. Kyler Murray made the Pro Bowl his first two years in the league. You can point all of them out. You know what you call those, Steve? You call them outliers. Well, and I believe that he is an outlier. You think Bryce Young? I've I've been watching Bryce Young since high school. This guy has been a standout at every single level. Big Vanilla Funny. He's like, I was calling Bryce Young games when he was at Modern Day. I can't give up on the kid. But But you've given up on him. He was at Modern Day. He was at Alabama behind a a pro offensive line playing sometimes not pros on the other side. Can he throw the ball accurately? Yeah. Okay. Look, the two most important things for a quarterback, Martin – because I've been told this by people that coach quarterbacks. The two most important things are the ability to throw the ball accurately okay. and the ability to decipher information in an instant. 
All right. In other words, the ability to recognize as soon as the ball is snapped what to do with the ball. Sure. Th- quick who to thinking, throw it to, who to throw it away, eat the ball, whatever it is, those that can make those decisions the quickest are the ones that are going to be most successful. And Bryce Young, I think, checks the box in both cases. Where does health fall on that list? Well, I mean, you have to stay on the field, obviously. And but- I think that's that. I, as Bryce Young continues to go through his his professional career, I have wonder about his ability to remain healthy as he is getting hit by men that are triple the size of of, of him. All right, and I I'm matter. not gonna look. I'm not bold enough to say the Carolina Panthers are going to go nine and eight this year, but they won't be two and fifteen. They will be a better football team. They'll be better. It was a bad hire. Frank Reich was a bad hire. I I knew that at the get-go. He was a bad hire. They were sold on Frank Reich. It's not a personal thing with Frank. I got to know him back in the day. He's a nice man. I think he's just way overplayed to be a head coach in the league. All right. Let me give you another team. The Washington Commanders. Four and 13. Is this a team that can make the mighty leap to 9-8, and 10-7, and challenge for a postseason spot? The Washington Commanders. Commanders. Now, see, I'm more inclined to lean with the Commanders because you asked me about the, the you asked me about the Panthers. The South is going to be relatively the same, I think. The Saints will will win between seven and nine games. The Falcons will win between eight and ten games. The Buccaneers will win between seven and nine games, and it will be a fight for average. It is a fight for B minus in the NFC South with the NFC East. I don't. The Philadelphia Eagles are in a in a very interesting position here. I feel like the Commanders could sneak up a little bit and be contending for a wild card spot because the Giants are in disarray, and once and even when everything seems to be in array, I think Brian Dayball, another former coach of the year, because he was able to turn a bad situation into a good one, and then turn it right back into a bad, situation. turn it right back into a bad situation. We'll see how he's able to bounce back from a, what was a, by all accounts, a disappointing uh, <laughs> a second campaign after going out there and winning a playoff game on the road. The New York Giants did. It, 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 24 months ago, they did that. Uh, uh, but uh, we'll see, if the Eagles, which Eagles team is going to show up this season? Is it going to be the one from the first 10 weeks of the year or for the last seven weeks of the year? Well, you tell me, Martin. Look into your crystal ball. What You're, you're asking me a rhetorical question. What is the answer? I think as we're looking more closer to the seven, the, the last seven weeks of the year out of uh, Nick Sirianni and his Eagles, depends on who he hires or how these assistants work out. Uh, but I do think Washington is a sleeping giant in terms of the I mean, second pick in the draft. That, so you have a ton of resources either with a second, the number two overall pick, or whatever you move off to get, you're going to get a, uh, you know, with Jaden Daniels. Does Cliff Kingsbury make you uh, nervous as your offensive coordinator? I'd say it depends on uh, it depends on who they get back there. Because if it's one thing he does have, he does have an eye for quarterbacks, Cliff Kingsbury. But uh, it, it depends on if, what they do at two. But I'd say uh, as an offensive coordinator, I think it's actually be pretty decent. I think it's when you are responsible for everything that a head coach is responsible for, that's where Cliff kind of overstepped his bounds. Well, again, new ownership. No ownership. I mean, we knew it was a lame duck year, obviously, of Ron Rivera, which is why I was like, why is Eric Bieniemy taking this job? Well, cause why, he, why are you jumping on a sinking ship? Rivera was going to be gone. We knew that. I mean, barring some miracle season they were going to have with Sam Howell as their quarterback, that was just not going to happen. 
It's not all the enemy. He finds himself without a job. Cliff Kingsbury's in. I honestly, I think that we're going to see a bigger improvement out of the Panthers than the Commanders. I think the Commanders have some pretty decent skill position players. I know they traded uh, uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat away. And to, they got you know a haul back for that, but I think the Commanders to me, especially in the NFC East, because that that's to me you always got to look at the, the division. Who, what's going to be going on around this team for, for when you're prognosticating what's going to happen? All right, on the other side, we'll continue on. We're going to take some of the dregs, the bottom feeders in 2023 in the NFL, and we're going to identify because it happens every year which teams are going to go from the worst into a postseason berth. Got to figure this out. We will. But first, let's find out what is trending right now as Monsi is back. Now, Monsi's very excited, Martin, because her clippers, <laughs> and she's got a clips hat on today. Yes, thank you. Credit to Mark Medina. After their 3-7 and seven start to the season are 33-10 and 10 in their last 43 games. That'll get it done. Yeah, it's very exciting. And we and we were trying to figure this out. If the Clippers actually somehow got the curse out and find themselves winning a championship, especially if they're moving into their new arena next year, does that change any of the dynamic in terms of interest in the city of Los Angeles? Because most most Clipper fans are Laker haters. That's how the Clippers created a fan base (laughs) of any kind. Because there are people that hate the Lakers. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but no, I don't think there'll be any change whatsoever. I don't disagree either, but it would just be nice to win one anyway. <laughs> Drew, Drew Tranquil during the Chiefs parade before everything went uh, sour was shouting how it was way better than Los Angeles, right? <laughs> and I tweeted at the time, I was like, you know, to be fair, if the Chargers had a parade in L.A., everybody would just be wondering why traffic was stopped. They would have no knowledge. <laughs> Guys, you were not here. The, the Lakers parade in 09, because I... I almost like half emceed this event. Or do I did six hours of radio that day because we were the Laker flagship. It started at Staples Center, and it then went on a path to the Coliseum, yeah. which is in downtown LA. The Coliseum was full. I mean, so the yeah, idea that, that LA can't celebrate—I mean, that, that that ran leap years about other. Oh, celebrations because uh, it's freaking LA. I'm not saying that here. LA can't celebrate. Three what million strong. It so would not few come people out. Yes. would know about the Chargers actually winning something in the city <laughs> that everybody <laughs> would say, why is Figueroa closed? It's one o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah, he's right though. You could do it with the Dodgers. You could do it with the Lakers. Yeah. You know, I think I, I do think the Clippers Where would, would the bring Clippers better, have their parade? They would, if they won it this year, it would obviously have to start at Staples Center, Crypto, whatever it is called, because that's where they won. I don't know where it would end, but they would have... It be- would end it. Yeah, then it would make a big circle. But yeah, you know, I, I agree that I don't think it would change the culture of L.A., but... To be honest, what I want to know is, Monty, as a, as a fellow diminutive person, <laughs> where are you at with Bryce Young? Because I know both of you all didn't wake up and shrink from 6'2 down to your current respective heights. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious to where you are on Bryce Young as a fellow short person. I, you know what you just said of like him getting hit and getting back up game after game? That's what I thought the whole season. I was like this dude looks small compared to everybody else. He's the smallest quarterback in the league. He looks in it. stature. Because I feel like like to me, Caleb Williams doesn't look that big, but he doesn't look like Bryce Young. He doesn't look small. He doesn't look small, but he doesn't look big well, either. Well, even Kyler Murray, who Kyler I guess Murray, is another shorter perfect example, than Bryce yes. Young, but he's 
stockier. He, he looks stuck. He does not look as little as Bryce Young. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope um, I hope he doesn't get hit as much this upcoming season. That would help. Yeah, that would help. Uh, fellas, I thought we were going to have an upset in college basketball, in men's college basketball. But number 24... Yeah, no, it's happening. The official upset, yes. They, I thought they were going to come back, and I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. But an official upset. South Florida has beat number 24, Florida Atlantic, 89-86. to 86. Florida Atlantic was losing by 15 at halftime. They made a push, outscoring South Florida 55-44 to 44 in the second half, but they were just three points short in South Florida. With the upset over number 24, Florida Atlantic. Number two, Purdue, losing to Ohio State, 52-47, still 10 minutes to go in the game. Now, on the ladies' side, I got to mention South Carolina, number one South Carolina. They're 24-0 this season. They're currently losing to Georgia at halftime, 35-28. to So we'll see how that one goes. The top of the leaderboard at the Genesis Invitational has officially teed off Patrick Cantley, still in the lead. He is even for the day through his first hole, but he is still in the lead at 14 under par. Overall, we have Luke List and Will Zalatoris one shot back and no NASCAR today on an already slow Sunday. No football, no NASCAR because of inclement weather. So the Daytona 500 rescheduled to Monday. It's going to start at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Back to you guys. Well, there's always football because we can do that with the oh, NFL. Of course, of course. But any spit on the NFL and it's always an NFL day. Monty, thanks. Always an NFL day. Well, it's always an NFL day. We'll check with you a little bit later yes. on. We're trying to figure this out. From the bottom feeders in 2023 in the NFL will emerge at least two teams that will be out of nowhere breakout teams in 2024. But which ones are they? So we are both, uh, you know, not, you know, we're not going to have a huge breakout prediction for either the Carolina Panthers or the Washington Commanders. Although you haven't eliminated Washington from your list as a possible, right? I think Washington, I mean, you asked me on a week after the Super Bowl, I can see Washington contending for an NFC wildcard spot. Okay, so that, that's one team you, you have on your radar. The Arizona Cardinals. I was waiting for you to ask me this. Yes, the Arizona Cardinals, who, you know, Kyler Murray came back and we saw glimpses of the guy that we have seen really since he came into the NFL. He made legitimate Pro Bowls, not alternate crap, but actual legitimate Pro Bowls right out of the box in his NFL career. Far exceeding what a lot of people thought he was capable of because of his stature. And, of course, at one point, the Arizona Cardinals, during one season, were the hottest team in the league before the wheels came off. Sure. Staying with Kyler Murray, which I guess is their plan, and I think it's the right plan. Could they have a big bounce back year with a fully healthy Kyler Murray in 2024? I'm in. I'm in. As soon I mean... This team was they had one win without Kyler. Kyler comes back in week ten. They go three and six. I mean three and six with him. That was a, a, a roster. That was one of the worst rosters in football. I think they're gonna uh, improve that roster uh, uh, this off season. But also, I just really like the way that they competed last season. Pretty much the entire season, they were playing teams close. They were they were kind of they were to be as devoid of talent as the team was. Devoid of depth as the team was, I think that they uh, built a great foundation under first-year coach Jonathan Gannon. I think defensively they're going to get, but again, it's going to take some building on that roster. But they're going to have Kyler Murray back. They'll have Kyler Murray healthy, and 
you we you're right. We did see some glimpses of him coming back in the, towards the middle of last season. Like you said, he got back week ten and start, that was his first start was week ten. But from that moment on, uh, I think we we're looking at a, a much more dynamic offense in this team. Of the of the shoot of the uh, four wins they had, two of th- three of them were against playoff teams. Well, they beat the Cowboys. Yep, they were highly competitive against the 49ers. Well, in one of their games, yeah, in in the second in the second game they played them closer. The first right. one they lost by twenty, right? But th- th- again, def- that was the game. The second time was the game that Christian McCaffrey was so open, right, that he fell down, got up, still scored a touchdown. I think some of that is just all right. We got to get some more Jimmys and Joes out here. I'm I'm with you on Arizona I, again because I'm a Kyler Murray fan. And he reminded us again. He could have come back and just said, "Look, wh- why am I even coming back?" You're planning on moving on from me. And he said, no, this is my team. Give me the right pieces and we can get this team back into the playoff picture. All right, here's a team that I think is going to be, in my opinion, the most challenged team. If I were to pick one team from this list today that I say 100% no chance of being anywhere near a playoff contender. It's the New England Patriots. You talk about a roster devoid of talent. <laughs> I mean, this is the team I look at right now mm-hmm. trying to formulate a some kind of path. Like this would have to happen or this would have to happen in order for them to win nine or ten games. I don't see it at all. This team in that last game – in the rain, as Belichick was drowning, that is where this franchise is. Can they come back in 10 years? I don't know. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen in two years. It's not going to happen in three years. This is this right now, in my opinion, is the worst team in the NFL. Well, I think off on the offensive side of the ball, yes. But I think defensively, that Patriots team to me was good. Like, on the, on strictly the defensive side of the ball, it's one of the things that was was uh, that's one of the things that was kind of fascinating about the way that uh, uh, Belichick's kind of career ended. Because I didn't think he lost his fastball on the defensive side. Now you want to talk about picking players? Eh, you want to talk about the offense? Eh, you want even going back to hiring Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as co-offensive coordinators? And so, like, yeah, I, I'll but. Defensively, they lost Matthew Judon last year. They lost Christian Gonzalez last year, and still had one of the better defenses. Or I should say this: to have an offense that was abjectly terrible, had one of the better defensive units in football. Like you know what I mean? Like it's very easy to play better defense when you're up by forty and all you're doing is pass rushing. I have a theory about teams like the Patriots when you have a completely inept offense. Your opponent. Knows going into the game, we don't have to do a whole lot offensively to win this game. We don't have to pull out all stops because they're not going to do anything offensively. Even when the Patriots are playing bad defenses, they couldn't do anything offensively. So I just think that one of the reasons, and it's not to say that the Patriots, you know, didn't play well defensively. I agree. The Belichick knows how to coach a defense. Of course, he's gone now. But. I just think that a lot of teams that are bad 
that somehow post decent defensive numbers, it's a bit of a deception. It's the same way where you see bad teams that have huge offensive numbers, it's a deception. Like, it's empty points, empty yards. You know, we used, for years, like Matthew Stafford was putting up these big numbers of the Lions. Well, what does it mean? Sure. You're piling up numbers when you're down two scores in the fourth quarter and just throwing the ball all over the place. I think it's the same thing with defense. So I think that the perception was because they were able to hold their opponents a certain amount of yards, a certain number of points, with their offense doing nothing. I, I think that was as much a reflection on the teams they play and saying, well, we really don't have to do a whole lot. I mean, I hear I I don't disagree off the top, but I do think though that at least because how many was, games was their defenses winning for them? Well, their offense. Look, Kayla Clark from Iowa's on the screen right now. Their offense was Iowa esque. I mean, Iowa football esque. I mean, d- no, that 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 is still the all time story. A team that literally finished last, dead last, one hundred thirty out of one hundred thirty in total offense, won ten games. That is a miracle. It, I mean, absolutely. It's the type of thing that only happens in college football. But when you, I was looking, looking at the scores they gave up. It's not like they now. Don't get me wrong. They got housed. They got housed a few good times, right? But they only gave up thirty, oh, oh, more than thirty points three times. Yeah, because teams didn't have to score thirty points in order to beat the Patriots. They didn't have to score thirty points to beat the Commanders last year, but somehow <laughs> they still were doing the Justin Fields to a whole party on them. Mark my words on this one. Mark. So are you are you including the Patriots as a team that could go from four and thirteen to nine and eight? Uh, no, but again, that's the rest of the division around them. Okay, I think Buffalo Buffalo will beat them. I think uh, and uh, who knows? Aaron Rodgers and the Jets come back. Now that's a team I think will probably be absolutely terrible, but win more with Aaron Rodgers. All right, I'm, on the other side, I'm going to give you the most overhyped bad team from 2023. In terms of their expectations for 2024, this is the most overhyped team in terms of what everyone expects to see in the upcoming season after what we saw this past season. This is Fox Football Sunday. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. 
BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Steve Hartman and Martin Weiss, Fox Sports Sunday. We are live from the TireRack.com studios. Chris reminded me that I sort of slipped into that Fox football Sunday. No, you're reminding me that I don't have football again for another month. Yes. And if I want good football, it's a lot longer of a wait than that. You know what, fellas? This is the time that separates the men from the boys. This right here. All right? So I need to knuckle up and toughen up. Yes. All right? All right. All right. All right. We have a lot of things coming up. We're looking forward to March Madness. We're looking forward to NBA playoffs down the road. The start of the Major League Baseball season, but in the aftermath of the NFL season, we're taking stock of what happened in 2023 and trying to figure out, because it happens every single year, a couple of teams that look awful one year that suddenly emerge as playoff contenders the next year with beyond reason, just like the Houston Texans and the Rams. Try to do, try to have done that parlay before the season, saying, "Yeah, I'm going to go to the window and I'm going to predict both the Texans and the Rams are going to win ten games each." They'd be laughing at you. Like, really? You want to throw your money away? Go ahead. We'll give you any odds you want, and you would have come out a big winner. So we know it's going to happen again. We've gone through a number of teams. We talked about the Commanders. We talked about the Panthers. We talked about the Cardinals, and of course, I put the F minus. On the Patriots organization, Martin wasn't quite with me on that one. I'm going to give you right now the team that is going to be the most hyped team up in terms of look for this team to have a huge turnaround in 2024. That would be the Los Angeles Chargers. You hire Jim Harbaugh. He turns it around. I'm like, remind me again, because you're a Michigan guy. What was Jim Harbaugh's record his first six years at Michigan against Ohio State. Uh, not great, Jim. Yeah, that was 0-6. I mean, his entire career, he was 11-12 and against Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Right, so only people remember the last three years, and suddenly they erased the memory. Then his first six years there, no wins against Ohio State, one bowl win in those six years. By the way, his postseason record before this run for the national championship. I mean, his postseason record is still atrocious. Right. It just now has two more wins on it. Yeah. So I think, I believe, bring the grand total, the total of to three. To three. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. But don't worry, Steve. He's just a winner. Okay. So here's the problem with the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, you got Jim Harbaugh now, and, and you got Justin Herbert. $52 million over the cap. They are in cap hell like no team in the league right now going into the season. Mm -hmm. And if you're not quite sure of the dynamic of the cap, it's very simple. Before you can do anything in terms of signing players, you have to get under the cap. 
You, you're you're not able to make moves in terms of adding players until you subtract players or rework contracts to get under the cap. And one of the problems that you face as an organization, like if you were to go to Justin Herbert, Martin, and say, right, we'd like to rework your deal. He says, fine, I'm open to that. But in order to do so, to backload a contract, you got to give them money up front. Where does that money come from? The pocket of the owner. Chargers have a owner that has no money in his pocket. What are you talking about? He's worth billions of dollars. No, the team is worth billions of dollars. But in order to navigate the system, and by the way, he had to come out of pocket to pay Jim Harbaugh at the mandate of the league, by the way. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're just going to have to cut bodies. Khalil Mack, gone. Keenan Allen, see you later. Mike Williams, gone. Well, definitely one of those two, Kenny Allen and Mike Williams, will be out of there. So they have way too many things to do in order to add any measurable help to the team to actually get them back on track. So the Chargers are a 5-12 and team in 2023. I would predict look very much for the same thing in 2024. Well, then I'll just say this. You had Sean Payton in the division who coached for like 17 years in the NFL prior to this, never lost, has never not won more than seven, at least seven games, right? Yeah, so it's right. The, so the this, the thing doesn't fall out. Have not it only finished first, only finished third or fourth in his division four times in his entire career, right? And then I don't know if you watched this big football game last week, but the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to continue to dominate the AFC West for a while. So you got Hall of Fame coaches Sean Payton, in my estimation, definite Hall of Fame uh, coach and quarterback combo in Kansas City. That's that's eight of the 17 games you're going to play, Steve. Yeah. So do not look for the charges and don't jump on that bandwagon at least yet. We'll continue on with more of our NFL coverage. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Having a fun time as we always do here Sundays on Fox Sports Radio. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. It's been a strange weekend for me when I think about it because yesterday. Monsi Bolaños and I did four hours together, and Monsi and I have worked together for years with her doing updates during our Sunday show. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously it's a huge part of the show and everything else, but she's in one place and I'm in another place. And in recent months, Martin has been doing double duty here at Fox Sports Radio where he has his own show at VJ, but leading up to that show, he sits there for hours doing updates. So it's a very similar situation. I am sitting next to someone who I normally look through a a pane of glass during the show, and now you're actually next to me. Be careful where I'll be next. I know that. I I don't don't underestimate anybody that's in this building. Believe me, nobody. I see Bo's here. Hey, Bo, how you doing? You mean uh, saw you retired your uh, Chiefs cap that you were wearing yesterday. Now you're back to your faithful. I, I am a true blue Dodger fan, yes. which I know you are. 1988 World Series hat right here. 1988 World Series. Yeah. I was just sharing uh, 
with Martin the story that I I still have my ticket stub from being at game one of that World Series. I was there, and I wasn't in the parking lot. I was in my seat, Man. then jumped out of my seat when Kirk Gibson's home yeah, run left the park. I have a ticket stub from Kershaw's no-hitter somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Do you really? You yeah, I, I, was I have never seen a no-hitter. I was working that game I've literally been at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of baseball games. I've never been eyewitness to a no-hitter. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. I got paid to be there, so I, I enjoy that one very much. Very nice. Yes. Very, very nice. Are you... I mean, we, we we've seen a lot of Shohei. We've seen more of Shohei Otani yeah. in a Dodger uniform just before spring I, training games have begun yeah. than I think we did the entire time he's with the yeah, Angels. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say yesterday. Every time the Dodgers post something new with Otani, I remember that he's a Dodger all over again, and that feeling of joy just returns. Last night on uh, my LA broadcast television broadcast, we had an interview with Dave Roberts. And one of the questions one of our reporters asked him was, does it lower expectations for the Dodgers this year because Otani will not be pitching? And I'm thinking to myself, have you seen the over-under on Dodger wins this year? It's 103. (laughs) Have you ever seen a number like that for preseason? That's their over-under. 103? So, no, it doesn't lower expectations at all. I do believe, though, with Otani not having to do both, it should help him as a hitter. And then when you're in the same lineup with a Freddie Freeman and a Mookie Betts, yeah, he's, he's I never mean, had, he could put up numbers. Yeah, there. he's never had protection the way he's going to have protection next year. That's so what crazy. is your batting order? Is he batting third? Is that your deal? Are you going to go Mookie, Freddie, Shohei? Yeah, I think so. Mookie, Mookie Freddie, Shohei, then Muncie. Then Smith. Oh, I thought you were going to have Smith fourth. No, I put Muncy. I Max Muncy with Otani ahead of him is going to be hilarious. But too. you got lefty. Ah, yeah. I mean, you don't care about no, lefty not righty. Really. Not really. Mm. Put your best hitters first, and then they'll figure it out. Think of what Freddie Freeman's going to do with Shohei hitting behind him. I. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding I, me? I actually put a season parlay down yesterday, and I got. Freddie Freeman at like 95 and a half RBIs, and that feels very low to me. So I think that's going to hit pretty easily. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, I feel Dave Roberts is someone, Martin, for me that it, it's a little rough because I've known him since he played baseball at UCLA. He actually admitted me one time. He actually called my show a couple of times way back <laughs> in the day. And I root for the guy. But he's like the Clayton Kershaw of managers, where he has one record in the regular season, and then we get into the postseason. I mean, losing consecutive years in the first round to a division team like the Padres and then the Diamondbacks? Hard to do. That is that is not happening. So we'll see what happens, but they are definitely going to be a story uh, coming up. We've been talking some NFL football, and well, we should. We'll continue on here. Um, We're sort of picking out teams right now that really sucked in 2023 and whether or not they're going to be a playoff team. I've been saving this team for the top of this hour for you because I'm very curious your take on this one team. The New York Jets. Seven and ten. You have Robert Sala with one of the worst current records of any active coach in the NFL. They lost Aaron Rodgers four plays into the season. Their offense never got untracked. 
Salah's back. Hackett's back. And now we'll find out if Aaron Rodgers is truly back. Are you banking on the Jets to be a playoff team in 2024? Look, I was, uh, to borrow a phrase that Aaron Rodgers would probably laugh at, I was drinking the Kool-Aid on the Jets last season. You I was, watched too much uh, Hard Knocks, didn't you? But also, it was like I, people were discounting Rodgers. <laughs> you know, get a discount, double check. Yeah. Uh, nah, but they were discounting Rodgers to a point where I just couldn't, I just had to go back to like, yo, this guy's won two of the last three MVPs. Now, two of the last four MVPs. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I get it. He's older. and But he had a broken thumb his last year in Green Bay, and they almost made the playoffs. Like, he's throwing a bunch of rookie receivers. But the idea that you're going to build your football franchise in the vision of Aaron Rodgers in, in the year of our Lord 2024 going into 2025 is just not one that I, I'm not subscribing, especially. And maybe, maybe, full disclosure, it very well could be from Aaron Rodgers' overload from hearing hearing every day about how he's doing Dolph, he's listening to the Dolphins mate and that's helping. Will Aaron Rodgers be the NFL comeback player of the year? Obviously no. he's number one preseason comeback player of the year. Will he ultimately follow up Joe Flacco as the NFL's comeback player of the year? I don't think so. No, I, I'm not a believer. I think I, I'm about as far out as I can be. And you know what part of the reason why I'm so far out? Because they kept Zach Wilson last season. They kept Zach Wilson last season. You, they should if they had moved on completely. That may not have been a lost year. It may not have been a lost year. But somehow the, the Jets finished. They got seven wins, and it feels like they were well, the worst team in football. Think about that. It, it, I know it doesn't make sense, but it feels like it. Like I told you, like the Cardinals, they almost doubled the win percentage of the Cardinals. How many Cardinals with four? They almost doubled it. Was eight, was seven, and it feels like those teams were on the same exact line. All right, so of all the teams we talk about, well, there's one more team, one more team I want to mention, and it's not the Bears. Bears were a seven ten team. The, look at what the Bears do with the number one pick in the draft is going to have a massive domino effect, obviously. Sure, because you look at the teams at the top of the draft, and you could pick out what six or six or seven of the top ten teams all could be looking at quarterback. But I'm not including the Bears. Okay, I will ask you about the Bears. If the Bears keep the pick and take Caleb Williams. And obviously, start Caleb Williams at quarterback. Will they be better or worse than seven and ten in twenty twenty four with him as a rookie? Worse, exactly. I think they'd be worse. I think they'd be worse than seven and ten. I mean, the Packers are on the rise in that division. Lions obviously were in the NFC Championship game, so those are going to be four out of your uh, four games. You got guaranteed to play one on the home, one on the road. But then also to the point of like how much better. I mean, Caleb Williams may be very well, maybe the the next generational quarterback to come into this league. But we do this less in football than we do in basketball. But like. I'm old enough to remember when Trevor Lawrence was the was the uh, yeah. was the greatest prospect we've ever seen in all time of history in team sports. Leading in Clemson to a national championship as a freshman. And don't get me wrong, 
you know, beat Alabama, you know, had some big wins, you know, uh, you know, obviously. Are you and, saying that Trevor Lawrence is not going to be that in the NFL? Well, what I am saying is, is that right now you'd have a conversation of who's the best quarterback in the division, uh, him or C.J. Stroud. Right, so it's like we because we do this generational. Are you prospects. saying Anthony Richardson is going to pass him up as well in that division? He could, but we do this every every year with these generational prospects. Sure, maybe Trevor, maybe Caleb Williams is, is is you know the next sun, the moon, and the stars. But in the NFL, you you don't get any credit for any of the games you played until you get into the league and start playing them. All right, one other team, and then we'll fight, you know, make our final choices. There, which two teams from the depths of 2023 will emerge as playoff teams in Zach 2024? That was interesting to listen. A little highlight of that game, one of our favorite games going on right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. The New York Giants. The New York Giants have been pretty clear despite their premium pick in this year's draft they're going to hold down with daniel jones who they gave 40 million dollars a year in a contract he will continue on and bounce back with a huge bounce back year for the new york giants or not this was a playoff team two years ago will they be a playoff team in 2024 survey says no 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 will they continue their downward trend from a 6 and 11 season I think 6-11 feels about right again for the Giants. <laughs> uh, Saquon Barkley won't be around. All right, so we've covered all these teams. Let me review the teams, and you pick out two. We've talked about the Jets. we talked about the Patriots. we talked about the Chargers. we talked Giants, Commanders, Panthers, and Cardinals. Which two of those teams are you picking right now to be playoff teams in 2024? The one that I feel the most confident on is the Arizona Cardinals. I think they will be a wild card team at minimum, potentially winning a division as San Francisco maybe takes a step back. Devo Samuel did not impress me in the Super Bowl and leading up to it. And, uh, you know, that team, there's only so long the window can stay open. You know, there's only so long. And they, they they've knocked on the door a lot. And no one has come to answer with the ring behind it. You know, they have knocked on that door quite a bit. People getting older. Kittle with only two catches in the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey is, is approaching 30. So I think the Cardinals have a great shot this season. And the second one, forced to pick, I'll go with the Commanders. I know you're sold on those Commanders. I think, look, if I think they have a lot of talent on that team. I think for the I like a lot of the skill players, and I know that they're likely be getting a new quarterback coming in. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it, and then plus NFC East is up and down consistently. A different team wins the division every doggone year. My pick is going to surprise you, but there's a reason for it. Now we say that this happens every year, and it does. I'm not sure any of these teams will actually make the playoffs. In 2024, but the team that will actually, from a win standpoint, have the biggest improvement year to year will be the Carolina Panthers because of the division they play in. The Buccaneers, is Baker Mayfield going to repeat what he did last year? The New Orleans Saints, as mediocre a 9-8 and team as I can possibly think of. The Falcons, a restart. Who knows? Maybe they'll have Justin Fields as their quarterback. We'll see what happens there. 
But I think the Panthers could win eight games this year. It won't be quite enough to get into the postseason, but from a win standpoint, two to eight, mark it down. The Carolina Panthers will have the biggest year-to-year win improvement in the NFL. In Put it on the board. Put it on the board right there. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to switch gears, get back to the NBA. It's an all-star NBA Sunday. What does that mean, and where are we going with just a third of the season to go before we get to the playoffs. We're going to break it down. This is Fox Sports Sunday. You can put it on the board, yes! Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Steve Hartman and Martin Weiss here. Fox Sports Sunday. We're live from the TireRack.com studios right after the show. Our podcast is going up. Now, if you missed any of today's show, be sure to check out the podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast, and you can see the show posted right after we get off the air. All right, we've taken some time out of, let's be honest, not the biggest sports day. Could have been bigger with the Daytona 500. I mean, that's the biggest race in NASCAR, but I mean, that got postponed for the day. I'm uh, not going to put a uh, the sport that what what is on TV on blast, but I definitely was looking through like my uh, my gambling app. It's like there's nothing else on besides 
this uh, golf replay of the 2006 Jerk Classic or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, we do have the Genesis going on right now at uh, Riviera Country Club, which isn't too far from where we are. Beautiful day out there. Holding off the rain in time. I had a good field. Of course, Tiger Woods had a bail. He got sick. They said it had nothing to do with his back. It just He just got sick. He did. My good friend Kira Dixon was reporting that there were ambulances and fire trucks there but uh, Tiger then cleared it up the day after that uh, he didn't get in any of those ambulances or fire trucks. He had influenza. Yeah. That's how he didn't he have the flu. It. He had influenza, <laughs> which is the same thing. All right. I want to get to some NBA action. I got the all-star game. I will say this. Here, here's my here's my thumbs up on the NBA all-star game. It has nothing to do with the actual game because obviously the, the game itself is a uh, defenseless uh, whatever it is. But the way they select the All-Stars, I still like it. And I, let me explain, Martin. And I'm going to go to baseball for a second here. So baseball is the Midsummer Classic. Okay. And the selection of the All-Star team oftentimes in recent years is based on what somebody has done for half a season. So you get a pitcher or you get a hitter that you've never heard of before, and they have a hot first half, and they are anointed as an all-star. My my name for the baseball all-star game is the some star game. Because <laughs> they're not all stars. When I was a kid, no matter what their batting average was at the all-star break, the Willie Mazes, the Hank Aarons, the Carl Yastrzemski's, they're always on the all-star team. Why? Because they were actually stars. And the only sport that maintains that criteria in choosing their all-star teams is the NBA. The argument against, well, why is this guy on the all-star game every single year? And my answer to that is because he's an actual star. It is very hard to be a first-time All-Star in the NBA. In fact, this year, I believe there were three. So of the 24 players selected for the All-Star game, three were first-time All-Stars. And for me personally, I don't have a problem with that. You know, there was a lot of questions of like, why didn't the Sacramento Kings have an All-Star? Why would Anthony Davis be an All-Star? Why would the Lakers, who were sitting as a nine seed in the West, be rewarded with two All-Stars? Well, one got voted in, LeBron, but Anthony Davis was added to the team. And my answer is simple, because Anthony Davis is an All-Star. He's an actual star player. So that's, that's my criteria, because it's an exhibition game. The game doesn't really mean anything, but to me... If you're advertising a game to be an all-star game, all-star game, then you can't be like baseball, which is a some-star game or a few-star game. It needs to be an all-star game, and I think the NBA is the closest thing to an actual all-star game. But I think one of the things, though, that ends up happening is when your all-star position is grandfathered in after a certain period of time, then – uh, you end up getting a little bit of the more lackadaisical play that we see in the NBA All-Star game as opposed to some of the other sports. Not that anybody is going... Well, you can watch the Futures game if you like that then. What, the, uh, the Rising Stars? Rising versus, Stars, the Futures versus Stars. Yeah, whatever yeah. they call it these days. 
No, nah, but I'm just but I I do think that I, I wish it was a little bit easier for a guy to like some people don't need to be all stars that are all stars. I don't want to take anybody off the list, but like I think Trey Young probably should be a, you know in the All Star game. But well, he finally got in. He subbed yeah. in. He was an but but yeah, I think when you look at some of the things that are happening on the court, I don't think it would be the worst. Like yeah, if, if the Aaron Fox was in the All Star game, I'm not going to blink twice. Like. <laughs> But, you know, but I will say, like, a guy like, for example, Clay Thompson, not to take shots at him, but, like, he's clearly not the same guy that he was earlier in his career. That's well and fine. We don't need to grandfather him in to other all-star appearances simply because he used to be for quite some time. Do you? I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki, who had obviously clearly passed their prime, were added to the teams, knowing that this was going to be their final season. See, that's, that's to me, an appropriate situation. You're celebrating two future, as it turned out, first ballot Hall of Famers with one last chance to be there, featured at the All Star Game. It's an exhibition, not an exact science. So I like that about the NBA. Yeah, I just, I just know this. I want people to get out here and at least like give a little bit of trying, like a little bit of effort to where it looks like we're like just give me, just give me a scoach. No. Like a pat, like a pat of butter, just a little, just that much. Well, you remember they get they they had some gimmicks. Now this is the first year in several years where the player that got the most votes from the fans is not like the captain of a team. Remember they had a draft the last several years: Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. I remember that's out. I kind of liked the draft. I didn't. I'd say like this: It's it, East versus West. That's how it has been historically. Monty made a point yesterday that uh, I'm going to go ahead and agree with, uh, although I had to stop it where she said she would get confused because I could tell which team was the East and which team was the West based off their jerseys. But I I would love it if we could go back to, instead of having the all-star jerseys, if we could go back to teams wearing their own individual jerseys. Road versus Road uh, versus home. home. Yeah. But you know what that would require, Steve? For there to be some level of uh, of decorum and standard when it comes to these NBA jerseys. Can you even identify no. how many how many literally how many jerseys right now in the NBA are readily identifiable? I mean, I was watching the other day the Milwaukee Bucks and they were in clipper blue uniforms. You know those those light blue uniforms that Clippers often wear? And the Milwaukee Bucks, can we turn Monty on for a second here? And I realized, I didn't know it at the moment because I was just flipping through the dial, that I was watching the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought the first time I saw them, I thought they were the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. I thought they were in that because they also have like a weird, uh, different uniform. And I glanced by it and I was like, those are the Bucks? What are we doing? What are we doing? To me, the worst is the Atlanta Hawks have a black and baby blue uniform. I have not seen that. I just can't square why they they and they all look like high school teams. Like I just like the colors are just like where did we come through with this? Like because we used to have like you know oh yeah one no. or two alt jerseys. <laughs> 
Like who play? Like what team is that? Yeah, you're right. It does look college. It looks like college. Uh-huh. It looks like I'm watching Providence play. By the way, are we going to see a multicolor court to, for the game today? No, it's supposed to be on hardwood. It was only the first two events or the first two days of events well, on that LED light. I mean, now they're is, going back to the normal. That in season tournament where they colored the courts. Oh, that's what you're talking about. No, those were awful. But you know how for the first two days there was like an LED court. They're not using that for the game. They're just using a regular hardwood court. Well, Thank why you. not? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It makes <laughs> no sense. Imagine to me. if they had the court they were using yesterday for the actual game. It would be fun. <laughs> It's uh, unwatchable. See, here's the thing. It's already unwatchable. A lot, like a lot of people, because I, I had some friends that would go to those in-season tournament games in person and say, yeah, it looks sort of cool, but on television, it was a nightmare. Like you could not watch those games yeah. with those full-colored courts. Yeah, no. Was it the, the Chicago Bulls that oh, were just like red? the worst. It was the worst one. I agree. I agree. It was not pleasing to the eye. But other people would say, well, if you're at the game, it actually looks pretty cool. Well, I didn't like the Clippers one either, but the the, the whole thing Why is, are you hating? It, I don't even remember what it looks like. It was that red and black. <laughs> which, was that the Clippers one? See, I, I've, I've mentally taken it out of my brain, probably. But I just, it's like, I know we want to make these things feel like, feel different than the regular season Why? games. Like, I, yeah, that's part of my thing. I, like, And I don't know if this is just like me growing up now and being older, but like when I was a kid, I thought the skills competition was the coolest thing ever. You know what? I didn't need the court to light up for me to watch it. Like maybe, maybe somebody's shoes were lighting up because they had, you know, the, the, the when you they had the shoes where you step and it has a little red light flash in the back. By the way, did it was it just me? So they had like the team competition for the skills yesterday, and it seemed like at times they were confused. No, it's, it was not just you because we were sitting here watching. Like they didn't even know, like, what am I supposed to do here? Well, that's what, I was sitting, doing the show as that's happening, and I was turned to VJ. I said, <laughs> they don't know the rules. They don't know. They're like, what am I supposed to do next here? And then you had a team situation, so it made it even more confusing. I was just relieved when Halliburton hit that uh, half-court shot and said, all right, this thing is over. I don't know what I was watching, but it's over. <laughs> Over. <laughs> All right, uh, Monsi, what's happening out there? Not a lot of stuff, fellas. I, Martin, I just looked up the court. I think you got confused because I was going to say I thought the Clippers in season tournament, not that it was great, but it was baby blue and dark blue with this in the middle, the clips in the middle. It wasn't red. Maybe I was watching the Clippers play somebody. Somebody, and then oh, you yeah. just got stuck. Because I agree, though. How, how the hell am I supposed to tell who's the whole team? And I agree with you. Because they're painting my numbers and, on the court. And also, any, all of the ones with red were the worst. The red the was bulls, the, the, the bulls. The bulls by far was the worst. But it, I'm looking, at, and it was every time it was all red, it was hard to see it on the TV. Maybe being in, there in person was better, but, you know, no, no, I, 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 I'm with you, fellas, on all of that. All right, so we got some golf going on. Patrick Canley started the fourth round in the lead. He has now fallen to Luke List, who is in the lead. 16 under par overall. Cantley is two shots back. Will Zalatoris, three shots back. This is the fourth and final round of the Genesis Invitational at the Riviera Country Club. We do have a fun game in hockey, but it hasn't started. It's the Rangers and the Islanders. They're playing at MetLife Stadium. So this is fun. 
I'm hoping no, you know, it's on ice, so nobody's gonna have a, a any torn ACLs or anything like that, or Achilles or anything like that, because uh, it is at MetLife Stadium. But they were supposed to start at 12. It hasn't started yet. I'm waiting on it. But this is a fun one at MetLife Stadium between the Rangers and the Islanders. And then we do have some college hoops that have wrapped up. We have a couple of upsets. South Florida held on to beat number 24 Florida Atlantic 89 to 86, and number two Purdue. Yesterday, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee put Purdue as the overall number one seed. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Ohio State just fired their head coach four days ago. Ohio State beats number two Purdue today. 73-69 was the final in that one. So you can't make this stuff up, guys. You can't make it up, you know? And yeah, all-star game today, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And it's actual East versus West, which it should have always stayed that way. It should have never been team captains pick their teams. I, again, the captain thing, it got confusing. And it just didn't. No, stop. When Nikola Jokic is the last pick. Yeah, you know that, was, that was that was hilarious <laughs> yeah. last year. Like, nobody yeah. picks Jokic. Nobody picks Jokic. So, yeah. Uh, I'm happy where it is, but I'm with Martin that they should wear their jerseys, as I said yesterday. Even though I would find it confusing. I think they should wear their Do you jerseys. think the uh, not picking Jokic the last pick was the player's way of saying, we're tired of this guy getting all this attention and recognition <laughs> as supposedly the best player in the league? And then he goes out and says, okay, how about if I win the championship and completely dominate the postseason? You know, I really don't. I think it was honestly like this is now a game of tricks and whistles and showy off like whatever we want and so they were just like this guy is as we talked about yesterday mr Steve, fundamental fundamental like Tim he Duncan doesn't was look, mr fundamental exactly. and he, he won five championships look flashy in any way and i think that's just the idea of the all-star game is that it's just this flashy event i really don't think it was a we're not gonna pick him because he's so good and mm. he annoys us but maybe you're onto something by the way, you see him dump water on Luca. Yes, I showed you that. I know. <laughs> Martin, did you see that? No, I missed. So Luca was speaking. He was sitting in front of a mic, speaking to the media, and Jokic came from behind him and dumped water on the back of his neck. And it seemed like it was really cold because Luca just like just- shivered, like went in and said a bad word. And I said to Steve, I was like, I would not like that prank. If somebody, I would not handle that. No, well. she said I would have gone airborne right for his neck. One hundred percent. Like I, I, I get some pranks, but if you put like ice cold water down my back when I'm not expecting it. Mm. 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 All right, I'll put that on the list. Put the take off my hoop earrings. You we're don't going. know when it's going to happen next. <laughs> All right, Monsi, thank you very <laughs> much. Yes, uh, yes. Once again, we're broadcasting live here from the TireRack.com studios. All right, if you're one of those people saying, "All right, I I I, I haven't seen any NBA basketball this year," because I when football season's on, that's a hundred percent of my attention. So get me up to date. Well, here's a little update for you. We had the All Star game today. Games do not resume until Thursday. Thursday. So there's no NBA tomorrow. There's no NBA Tuesday. There's no NBA Wednesday. Boy, you talk about really taking advantage of grabbing your audience, right, after the football season. They're, the NBA is having more days off of the All-Star break than I had snow days combined <laughs> at University of Michigan through five years. It's crazy. All right, let me give you a little update in the standings. So in the West... The top two teams in the West are the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
Those just, are your top two seeds in the Western Conference. Just like the script makers uh, <laughs> wrote it out, right? I mean, where are the Lakers and the Warriors? All right, Lakers are nine, Warriors are ten. Uh, pulling up that play-in tournament seedings. Yeah, that, that's where they are right now. You're defending NBA champion Nuggets. Having watched the Nuggets for much of their season, then they came into the break, by the way, with a three-game losing streak to drop them to the four seed. Clippers are in at number three. The Nuggets already have one of those looks of a team that shows up when they feel like they have to. Remember they go into Boston? Boston was undefeated at home. Sure. And they went in there and beat the Celtics. It was sort of like, yeah, just to remind you, when we're playing our A game, we're still the team to beat. I haven't shaken my thoughts at all. I think the Nuggets are still the team to beat in the NBA. You got a healthy Jokic. You got Murray. You got those guys. Now that they have a championship under the belt, the way they just ran right through the playoffs last year, there's no reason to believe that they have diminished in any respect going into this year's playoffs, unless they have a major injury. Yeah, I'm saving, like you said, obviously you put the normal caveats out there, but no, Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now. And the thing that's scary about him is he. He does not necessarily put out the same effort every night. You'll go look at some of those nights. He's like, oh, Jokic decided to take today off. Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't necessarily sit a lot of times in the same way that you see a lot of guys like load managing and so on. But he, he'll he just have, you know, he's, oh, Jokic took seven shots tonight. Okay, I guess he's just he was, wasn't interested. He's going, this is a passing game for him. But when he wants to turn it on, I think you're on to something there with, the, with, with Jamal Murray. I just think that as long as they maintain home court advantage throughout the, the most of the playoffs, like up until maybe Western Conference Finals, they'll be in good shape. Now, when you talk about teams like Minnesota or you talk about a team like Oklahoma City, I mean, I guess let, let's start with Oklahoma City here. I mean, this has been a, an amazing rebuild for this organization to get back. And the key was that trade of Paul George. They got a boatload of draft picks and they picked up Shea Gilgis Alexander in that deal, who now has obviously established himself not just as an all-star, but literally an all-NBA player. But we still have to figure out if they suddenly get on a little run in the postseason, is he capable of stepping up and taking a team over the top? This is how you have to divide your stars, right? I mean, I mean, when 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 Steph Curry sort of hit the scene, you know, it was a great story. Like, wow, this Warriors team's winning a lot of games right now, and this guy's firing threes from all over the court. But is that going to actually translate into a championship? Does he have that in him? And, of course, we found out the answer is a resounding yes. He is that player. Is a Shea Gilgis Alexander that player that can take his team to a championship? I think he could definitely be the best player or one of the top two players on a championship team. I just wonder about the rest of that roster. Like when I think, like you look at you talk about Steph. Well, you know he did have the two Musketeers right by his side, Clay Thompson, who was locking down any perimeter defender, and Draymond Green, who was one of the best post defenders, even still to this day, even though he's lost a little bit in some of his offensive respects. Uh, I, I wonder about the rest of that team and their ability to handle, especially some of the more the wing players in the West. And then there's the Minnesota Timberwolves, and to me, they have more to point to the idea that this could be a championship team. I mean, when you look at the top three names on that roster, and really, if, if you want to go Mike Conley as well. So you got Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. 
who, by the way, once again was challenging in the three-point competition. He had that ridiculous game the other day where he's just firing threes all over the place. Rudy Gobert, who appeared to be a bust a year ago, all of a sudden now we figure out, wow, maybe that was a good deal. He is finally bringing to the Timberwolves what they hoped they were going to get. It just it was a matter of time. You know, with Gobert and Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, like you had to figure out the dynamic of the two bigs. How do we work together in the court? They figure that out. But I was talking about Shea Gillis Alexander. I ask you the same thing of Anthony Edwards. He's a, he's an all-star player. Oh, yeah. But it's almost like it's like the Jason Tatum situation in Boston. So Jason Tatum is a, is now a consistent all-NBA player. But he hasn't been able to get over the hump in the postseason. Every time it looks like he might be right there, he falls short. And we've seen this with a lot of great players over the year. James From Harden the- comes to the mind. Anthony Edwards. Are you sold on him as a guy that, in clutch, final I'm, minutes of a big game, he's going to carry his team over the top? I'm 100% sold on Anthony Edwards, and I have been really since he got into the league. He, to me, has the temperament of a superstar. Like he's he's not too he's not afraid of the moment he's not the moment is not ever too big for him, uh he, and he's a guy who's like a hundred percent every night he's out there type of guy like I I've been a major a huge fan of Anthony Edwards game since he got into the league and I think that especially now with this team that he has around him now the one that concerns me on Minnesota is Car Anthony Towns who is known to shrink in some of the brighter lights. Right or lose track and go ahead and like somehow score sixty in the loss. Right, like he scored sixty and was on the bench towards the end of the fourth quarter because it's like we're trying to win this game, Carl. If you're not if you're not aware, I think Anthony Edwards is uh no to to me, Steve. I say this. He he grew up. He looks like he grew up playing outside, and I like those kind of guys. Well, it'll be very interesting in the Western Conference playoffs if we go into the postseason where. Minnesota is the one seed and Oklahoma City is the two seed. Yeah, it will be. I mean, and then the question is, are they going to live up to that? We'll continue on as we get ready for the second half of the NBA season. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Hartman, Martin Weiss here on Fox Sports Sunday, live from the TireRack.com studios. Getting ready for the second half of the NBA season. All-Star game is today. And again, they're not going to resume games until Thursday. Thursday. Why not Tuesday? Or even Wednesday? These millennials don't want to work, Steve. Man, oh man. Well, one of the rules changes they made in the NBA this year is working, and that was the 65-game rule. So they made a number that said, in order for you to be eligible for any postseason honors... Any of the awards, all NBA teams, you must have played at least 65 games. So that means that one player, Joel Embiid, has been eliminated 100%. He's averaging 35 points a game. You will not see him on any all NBA team this year. He will get no votes for MVP. He is not eligible because he did not play 65 games this year. But what we are seeing, obviously, is guys playing more games. The reason the Clippers are playing so well this year is that Kawhi Leonard's on the court. That helps. It's amazing. When you actually see Kawhi Leonard, you're like, damn, that guy's a good player. Where's he been? Load management. He just takes months off, whatever. He was like the king, the face of load management. Are you? Are, do you like this rule? 
Oh, I love it. I love it. And we, we have it unofficially in football, right? Like you'll see a guy will be in the MVP conversation. Like Lamar Jackson was in the MVP conversation. Then he hurt his knee. And guess what? He's no longer in the MVP conversation. Why? Because he got hurt. Is it fair? I don't know. This is, but this is also like he's not. He's not there. How valuable could he be? Well, I remember way back in the day, the NBA players actually voted on the MVP award. People don't know this. The first twenty-five years that they had the voting for MVP in the NBA, the players voted for the MVP hmm. before they turned it over to the media. And one year, Bill Walton. With the Portland Trailblazers, they were off to this terrific start, and he got hurt. He missed 24 games that year, played 58 games, and he was the runaway choice of the players still as the most valuable player in the league that year. So his one MVP award, thats he missed 24 games because of injury. Well, the players voted, and they said he's still the MVP. I did see Jalen Brown say that he would have liked to see 58 games be the, the minimum, which, you know, I wouldn't have an issue with that. But I do think the fact that there was there needed to be a minimum, and it should be around one-fourth of games played. I, I think, though, see, I, I, I'm a little bent. I, I don't like that kind of discrimination. Like in the in the case of Embiid where he's legitimately hurt. I mean, I understand the idea of it is we don't want players just sitting out games with that load management where suddenly you're missing 20 games and, you know, it has a direct effect on the buck of the owners. I would like to have some kind of provision based on an actual injury keeping you out of games. All right, much more coming up. Stay with us. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Enjoying a Sunday here on Fox Sports Sunday, and we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. And I'm at Selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We mentioned that the NBA schedule will resume on Thursday, today, of course, being the All-Star Game, also on Thursday, we'll have spring training baseball games, exhibition baseball getting underway. John Paul Morosi, our Fox Sports Radio MLB insider, is going to be joining us here coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, getting excited about baseball. Both uh, Martin and I have made it clear we're very excited about the upcoming uh, baseball season. Uh, we've been talking a little of everything today. We've been rehashing the NFL season that has come and gone. Already our thoughts are set for 2024, what's going to happen there. Uh, we've been talking about the NBA as we uh, get through this All-Star break and what's to expect in the second half of the season. Very quickly here, we mentioned these two teams, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City. City Thunder sitting 1-2 right now in the Western Conference. Mentioned that you got the Lakers at 9 and the Warriors at 10. By the way, they will face each other on Thursday. And both teams actually playing a little better basketball right now. Do you buy either one of these teams making any noise in the NBA playoffs, assuming they can even get past the play-in round if they're stuck in the play-in round. So what does noise mean? Does it mean win a round? Does that mean go to a, a conference final? What does noise well, mean? Well, the Lakers made noise a year ago by getting to the conference finals, even though they got swept by the Nuggets at that point. you see any repeat of that? I could see the Lakers getting it in gear. I don't see the – I think the Warriors are uh, dead men walking. They're, they go as far as Steph goes, and I think that's that's a first-round exit or second-round exit at best. Well, last year we had the Warriors play the Lakers. 
Well, I did, but I think if De'Aaron Fox doesn't fracture his finger midway through the first round of the playoffs, I think we would have had another Cal- all California series. It would have been like this, the Lakers and the, and the Kings. We had this wild uh, rumor about a deal that to me was the most fantasized trade idea I ever I saw. I mean, <laughs> LeBron James. First of all, why would LeBron James want to leave the Lakers to go to the Warriors? To play with Steph Curry. What's the draw of that? They were rivals for four straight NBA finals. Why would he feel compelled to play with Steph Curry? That was 10 years ago. Wasn't yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I that the idea of playing with someone you played against them like for you know fifteen years. Why would you say, oh boy, I Steve, would love to play with NBA. this guy? What's this the new, new NBA? NBA? They said, look, hey, let's sign up together. You want to come down here to play with me and my? You have been wanna... my foe. You have been a thorn in my side. My single greatest moment was beating you and your seventy-three win Warriors team in the NBA. Why would I want to join forces with him? I mean, ultimately, he didn't. Well, I don't think it was ever on the table because first, the Lakers would never trade LeBron James to the Golden State Warriors. If they were to trade him, it would be to, like, the New York Knicks. Well, the reports say that Jeannie said, look, we don't want to trade him, but give him a call. See if he wants to come. He said, you know what? I don't want to come. No. Why would he want to do that? What's a better team right now, the Lakers or the Warriors? The Lakers. Yes. But I now mean, that they finally have a, a coach in Darvinham, how does this guy still have a job? You you made a run to the Western Conference Finals with LeBron, AD, D'Lo, Reeves, and Rui. That was your lineup. And it took them two-thirds of a season to figure out maybe we should put those five guys back in the starting lineup. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, I know that Lakers fans aren't aren't necessarily happy about it. Uh, maybe he was trying to figure out what different rotation he. Well, could he was go like, to. "How can I guarantee Torian Prince is in the lineup? <laughs> I, figure it out. How do I guarantee that whatever lineup I put on the court, the one guy that's the constant is Torian Prince? I do think that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to end up playing some big minutes. Oh, for I this love team him. Down the line. I mean, look, Gabe Vincent unfortunately got hurt. That was unfortunate. I think Gabe Vincent. Could have given him some quality minutes had sure. he actually played. Had he been able to play. But yeah. with Dinwiddie, who went to my high school, by the way, Taft High School. Taft, okay. Right down the street. Also produced Jordan Farmar, two-time NBA champion with the Lakers. Jordan Farmar, Taft High. Um, no, I think Dinwiddie is going to be a nice addition for the Lakers. You know, um, So I was talking about the idea of like who would be – let me ask you this. Who do you think – would be the right choice if you were to get rid of Darvin Ham to coach a LeBron James-led Lakers team. Whoever LeBron James wants to be the head coach, mm-hmm. uh, that's the way you got to. That's the way you got to answer it. it. It reminds me like when I when I after college I moved in with my dad for a while and I was still living at you know technically at home, but he was never there, right? So he would literally be gone for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. So after a while. I would put place, put things in the places where I wanted them to be, right? You know, it's like I, this is where I'm putting the paper towels. This is where I'm doing, and, and I'm not a messy guy by nature, right? But however, I will come home, and when my dad would be coming back in town from a, two months out, and he'd come back and be like, "Well, where, where the hell is? Where are my socks? 
right? They're in the drawer. Well, why would they? They're in the same drawer they've always been in, but they're on the right side instead of on the left side. And you know what that was, Steve? It was wrong. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't dirty. It was wrong. It was in the wrong place. Why would you put the keys there? Because that's where I want to put the keys. They're right there on the counter. No, the keys are supposed to go on the kitchen <laughs> island. Oh, you know why? Because you know what? You know what? The, you know what? The, the lesson to learn from all of that is is you got right, you got wrong, and then you got who's in charge, right? And right and wrong can slide one way or another depending on who's in charge. So you ask me who should who should be coaching the team? Whoever LeBron wants to be coaching the team. Because if it's not if it's not right with LeBron, it's not going to be right with anybody. No, I 100% agree. I, I, I have, The idea that, well, gee, LeBron's running the organization. Yes. Yes. He earned that. Basketball. Look, Bill Russell became the first African-American head coach in a major North American sport when the Celtics... When he was still playing, made him the coach of the team, player, player coach. coach. And the first year he did, their streak of eight straight NBA championships ended. Wilt and the Philadelphia 76ers knocked him off. So he would say, you can't do both. They won the next two NBA championships, the Celtics, the last two he was there. I don't understand why people think that can't happen today. What, what's the difference? I mean, seriously now, you top all this film study and breaking it down. Does it seem like to you when you watch a normal NBA game, there's some kind of master strategy going into any of these games? Here's what I see when I watch the NBA. I see defense only when it has to be played. And I see offensively the same offense on everybody's team where they're just circling the ball around to an open guy standing at the three-point line. That's essentially the NBA these days. So why wouldn't LeBron coach a team? It's not like football, right, where you're no. literal. You, I mean, you have certain plays that get run in the NBA or certain philosophical ideas. We want to shoot from this place on the court more than we want to shoot from that place on the court, so on and so forth. But, like, in football, you have teams that are run heavy. You have teams that are pass heavy. They, the West Coast, they implement short passing length. You know, five, six yards in the air is how we're going to get down. We're going to keep a running back on the field. We're going to be all we have teams like Sean McVay, his first few years in LA where he was like oh we're running 11 personnel this is what we do we will have one tight end we will have one running back and everybody else you're going out there to catch a pass right that, that is what we do 49ers we're gonna have two we're gonna have a tight end fullback and a running back out here whether we're an empty whether we're in high formation we're gonna have Kyle Yusek on the field we're gonna have running back on the field we'll have George Kittle on the field they don't really do that in the NBA they don't really do that. It's either it's all about how can we get to the three or layup. I, I I can remember still watching some of those. How did it work? You're like it's simple. Bill Russell doesn't like what he sees on the court. He calls a timeout. They go to the sidelines and he talks to his teammates. Now let's get back out there and play the kind of game that we need to win this game. Makes a lot of sense to me. LeBron could obviously do something like that, uh, but I. You know somebody threw out the name Rajon Rondo. Yeah, somebody was Bo. Bo I know. Remember that, Mister Bo Benson. He was all hot on Rondo with no. Where, where did you come up with the Rondo name out of the blue to be the next coach of the Lakers if they part ways with Darvin Ham? Well, it's not like I came up with it myself. It's been floated around, but he's just one of the smarter guys to ever play the game. So it makes a ton of sense. Well, I know that 
it's he's a player that LeBron has huge respect for, and we saw that winning their bubble championship a couple of years ago, and he was like a coach on the court. I mean, that was pretty much the way he played. Couldn't make free throws, but he could he could be a coach on the court. Um, so we'll see what happens with those teams. I mean, will we see the Clippers finally make a run? I'm just I'm just focused on the Western Conference. Will the Lakers or the Warriors or both emerge from the ashes, or are we going to find out teams like the Timberwolves and the Thunder are legit? and ready to ascend to a championship level. All right, coming up on the other side with spring training underway, it's time to get an update from our Major League Baseball insider from Fox Sports Radio. John Paul Morosi will join us. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Steve Hartman, Martin Weiss here on Fox Sports Sunday. We are live from the TireRack.com studios. Well, spring training is well underway. The actual games are going to start later this week. And joining us right now is a man that stands alone. He is our Fox Sports Radio MLB insider. And Martin, by the way, as a Michigan guy, you know that John Paul Morosi bleeds Michigan through and through. I know. He's a yeah. good man for that. Yeah. he's. Uh, Thank you. I mean, uh, for Martin, who uh, he he did five full years. Now you detoured to Harvard. I know you don't like to mention that, but uh, 
Did you ever consider going to the University of Michigan, John Paul? Of course I did, and uh, good afternoon to both of you. Uh, I, I did. A lot of my best friends growing up went to Michigan. My wife went to Michigan, and we were dating during those years. So basically I would fly back or drive back, as it were, uh, when, I, when I ever had a break from my studies at Harvard. I had to make sure that I, I – it was not all academics. I had to make sure I blended in some fun. And the best way that I could do that would be to visit my friends and my girlfriend at the time at Michigan. So I, I like to think that I spent about as much time on that campus as you can without actually acquiring a degree. And so maybe at this point I'm an honorary Michigan grad or a, at least a, a solid townie after all these years. But uh, we were actually on campus today at Chrysler Arena. We watched a really entertaining game, Michigan-Michigan State women's hoops, of course. Uh, the same result as last night's game with the Spartans being victorious, but wonderful crowd. Great to be with, there with my daughters. And, and I, I want to mention this one quick thing about uh, spring training is you brought me back onto the air here with some, like, 1990s rock. And when I was watching the Tigers throw their bullpen sessions a couple days ago in Lakeland, I was struck by how the, the soundtrack that they were working out to was a lot of 90s alternative rock, which as I was looking at the pitchers on the mounds and watching them work, I said, wait a minute. These guys were all born like 1999, 2000. To them, this is classic rock. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that, was, that was a moment for me where I said, my goodness, but my first spring training in Lakeland was 15 years ago, and I feel a little bit old. Watch, watching them and, and realizing that to them, they were working out to classic rock, like what I regarded as Jimi Hendrix when I was growing up. They regard the music of my youth, and man, that really hits a certain way. All right. Well, then you get to my stage where the first Dodger game my father took me to, the Dodgers' starting pitcher was Sandy Koufax. Well, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to say, Steve. Yeah, it was his final season. He won his 20th game. He beat Ray Washburn and the Cardinals 4-1. to I remember it like it was just yesterday. All right. I want to get to some baseball news right now. Uh, and I want to start with the Dodgers for a moment here. And it's not about Shohei. It's about Yamamoto. So yesterday he was throwing live BP to the likes of Freddie Freeman, uh, who he baffled. Uh, he got a standing note from Mookie. This is the highest-paid pitcher in Major League Baseball. He hasn't thrown a single pitch at the Major League level in an actual game. In the last three seasons, not only did he win the equivalent of the Japanese Cy Young Award, he also won the MVP all three years. What should we expect from Yamamoto in his first year in the Major Leagues? And this might sound extraordinary, but just bear with me on this. It's entirely possible that in this season, his overall impact, the overall marginal value that he brings the Dodgers, even surpasses what Otani does. Wow. And, and that might sound like blasphemy here, but when you consider how much better Otani will be than what the Dodgers got from the DH spot a year ago, which was pretty good. J.D. Martinez was a really good DH last year. And, and Otani, I would expect, will be better by a certain amount, but not necessarily twice as good as J.D. Martinez was. Yamamoto, though, 
I believe when you consider how many different starting pitchers the Dodgers had to go to last year and and the fact that Kershaw is not ready to begin the season, Bueller might not even be ready as well early on, Yamamoto, his impact over the replacement level player that he's stepping in for, I think the delta there will be even higher than what the delta is for Otani. I really believe that. For year one, now obviously the, the fullness of the contract, once Otani gets back to doing his two-way thing next year is a different story. But you saw it, again, it was, it was a live BP, and we're still in the middle of February. But the stuff that he has and the command that he has is already all-star level. And there are those that believe that when you consider the year one pitching impact of all the great pitchers who have come over from Japan, and that includes Darvish, who was a revelation in his first year, Nomo, Kodai Singa last year, Tanaka. We've had some great ones, some absolutely great pitchers who have come over from Japan. It is entirely possible to me that in year one that Yamamoto is going to be more impactful than all of them have been. Wow. That's something. I'll, I'll tell you. So, John, I want to tell you, my, you know, Steve was talking about his first ball game, baseball game was watching Sandy Koufax. My first baseball game as a member of the media was April 24th, 2013, which you may remember, John, as Jose Valverde's first last save with the, it was his, his time coming back to the Tigers. They mm-hmm. called, they signed him to the minor leagues and in that pregame, he said that he had been courted by a few kind of big-name teams in bigger cities. But before we got back up to the press box, you said, that's not true. And I turned to you and I asked, how did you know that? He's like, because I just got off the phone with this guy who was the GM of one of the teams. And he was like, yeah, he never had never happened. And then <laughs> how Valverde ends up getting to say, it was me and Jeff Rieger. We're at uh, Jose Valverde's yes. first game back as a Tiger on April 24th, 2013. And now here we are. But you said you were just at the uh, at Tigers uh, spring training watching the pitchers and hitters and uh, being watching the pitchers pitch. Right now they have the third best odds to to win the AL Central at plus three twenty five. Twins are the heavy favorite and the Guardians a little bit above them. Do you think that this team goes over their like eighty to one and a half win total? This Tigers team. I know we'll talk about other things in a moment, but that's really the, the baseball team I grew up covering and care about. I think the Tigers win around 86 or 87 games this year. I really believe that. They have depth, and to me, the guy to watch in Detroit is Riley Green. If Riley Green stays healthy for the full season, if he plays 145 games, 150 games, which I think is possible, that now that he's learned, and I spoke with Riley a few days ago about just learning his body more and preparing his body for the demands of the long season. And I, if he's able to do that, and you see continued progression from Torkelson, you brought in a couple of veteran starters in Flaherty and Maeda, the, this next young group of starters I think is going to be even more prepared with Scooble and Manning, and now Mize is back as well. I, I like this team, and, and maybe they add some bullpen help at the deadline uh, to help out Foley and Lang, but certainly the Guardians can pitch, and they still have Jose Ramirez, who is, who is at the moment the best all-around player in the division. Ramirez, I think, still is. I, I don't see anybody better than him. So the, the, the Guardians will be heard from. The Twins, I, I look at their team, they've got a lot of promise, 
and they've got a tremendous rookie who I think will impact them this year in Brooks Lee. And they've got Royce Lewis, who we saw in the playoffs last year. They're still going to be a really good team. But I think the Tigers' pitching depth has now surpassed what the Twins have, is rivaling what the Guardians have. And the Tigers' position players, I believe, uh, have a chance to be as good as anybody else in the division. So the, the, the spirit of the team, the chemistry, I thought was excellent from, from being around them. And I, I really believe it, Martin. I think that the Tigers are going to win the division this year. I know that some people think that I'm maybe a little bit too bullish on them too early, but this team has a lot of energy and a lot of talent, and, and it's about time to bring playoff baseball back to Detroit for the first time in a decade. One of the major league players that to me is an enigma is Blake Snell. Hmm. Uh, I got to obviously see him, as you know, J.P. down in San Diego. I love him personally. I, I like his whole shtick, so to speak. But he has pitched his career in Tampa, and he pitched in San Diego, so not exactly metropolises. Obviously, in San Diego, though, huge crowds this past year. And he has these two incredible seasons, one in Tampa, one in San Diego, where he walks away with a Cy Young Award. For his career, he's never had a complete game, never even pitched into the ninth inning. And he's had an average of five innings per start for his entire Major League career. I know the Yankees are interested in him, and I would just be so curious to get your thoughts. And how do you think a Blake Snell would fare under the bright lights of New York? You know, it's a great question. I, I think that there is still, and, and Bob Nightingale's reported that, the interest in Blake Snell by the Yankees. He fits there, obviously. I, I do think, though, at the end of the day, when you consider the way that teams look at risk and and gauge the risk when they sign someone to a long-term contract. When you look at someone who led the majors in walks last year, that's a worry. And and that many walks when the stuff ticks back a little bit, which is inevitable as players get into their 30s and and he's going to be pitching in his age 31 season, it just makes teams and owners nervous. That many walks plus an age in your 30s is a concern. And I I think that's the perception that he's going to have to battle. Now, on a per-year basis, could you see him sign a three-year deal worth in the 30s per year? I I think that deal's got to be out there for him right now, and and maybe even from the Yankees. But the the super long-term deal six or seven years at $30 million a piece, I just am not sure if, if teams are comfortable going there and locking themselves in to someone who led the league in walks last year. I, I, I realize he also won the Cy Young, and that's why it's so tantalizing. But that's why these jobs are difficult, why it's hard to be a GM, because you're, you're weighing the positive side and saying, wait a minute, how is the reigning Cy Young Award winner not worth a six-year deal or a five-year deal at the very least at $30 million per? And the answer is because he led the league in walks, and we're worried about that. And so I think that's why there's the stalemate, why the staring contest is going on between Scott Boris's camp and a lot of the top GMs around the game. And so we wait and see once that 
if I still believe, guys, if he gets that asking price down to a three-year deal around $30 million, that there would be some significant interest at that price point because at that level you do tend to look more at the positive side. The more years you look at it, the more worried you become about the downside risk, and, and that downside risk involves that league-high walk total. So, obviously, the Dodgers added two very high-profile free agents this offseason, spending like $80 quadrillion between right. Otani and Yamamoto. But I'm curious if there's another uh, that non-Dodger free agent acquisition or off-season acquisition that you feel can take a team and, and put it to the next level. Like, what guys are, do you think will jump off the pay or jump off the screen in just a few weeks when we're at watching opening day? Juan Soto, New York Yankees. And the reason I say that is he addresses exactly what they've needed. They were already a a good ball club. As badly as things went last year with substantial injuries and and the rotation not being there, Rodon struggling and, and not staying healthy, Cortez, same thing, they were still a winning team. And if you have a, a more stable rotation, plus you add Juan Soto, it changes everything. Not just about Soto's spot in the lineup, but for Aaron Judge, who I expect will be healthier this year than he was a year ago. I, I was looking at these numbers recently, Martin, the, the number one, number two, number three hitters in the sport in the last three years. Just pure offensive hitting talent based on OPS plus, so adjusted OPS. Number one is Aaron Judge. Number two is Otani. And number three is Soto. And so you have, interestingly enough, and think about just the way the game has worked, all three of those guys either entered free agency or changed teams in the last two off seasons, and they are now all playing for either the Yankees or the Dodgers. Uh, and number one and number three are in the same lineup with the Yankees. It's just, they, we are overlooking, I think, how good the Yankees should be when you've got those two stars. That, that is their DNA. Bring in superstars. They sign Judge. They trade it for Soto. I realize that Soto's future is, is TBD after the season is over, but my goodness, for at least this one year, it is going to be, to use Garrett Cole's word, magnificent to watch. And I just cannot wait to see what this lineup looks like with all the chances Aaron Judge is going to have to bat with Juan Soto on base. Well, if the Yankees do assign Blake Snell, they'll have two guys that led the majors in walks. Snell right. and Soto, uh, very different right. version of walks. From each individual but, side of the equation, right? But uh, two guys that led the majors and walks. You can use that note uh, if indeed they sign Snell. Uh, okay, John Paul. I, I'm tell you what. We're excited. We're going to get some games by the time that we talk to you next time. We'll see the guys out on the field. Cannot wait. Always appreciate the time. We'll check in with you next week. That's right. Dodgers, Padres are going to be playing this week in a real Cactus League game, and I can't wait as well. I'll be there on site. I'll be reporting for Fox Sports Radio 2. The Soul Series coming up next month, Dodgers, Padres. You guys can call me anytime, day or night. I'm just not planning to sleep for a week. You just call me. Let me know. We'll, we'll be talking baseball when I'm on the other side of the world. We, you know we will call you. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no question about that. JP, you're the best. We'll talk to you next week. All the best, guys. Thanks. All so right, John Paul Morosi, our Fox Sports Radio MLB insider, joining us right now. Now, that's a Michigan man. Through and through. Yeah. Good man. Good stop. Good stop. And uh, also, Mr. Hockey, by the way. He likes to remind us every once in a while we need hockey news to go to JP as well. Let's find out what is trending right now. 
Hey, Monsi. Yes. Is Luke still atop the list? Uh, yes. Yes. Get it? Luke Get it? list at the top. I got it. Yeah. Wow. Good job. You see how is he is he a full fledged update guy now? Oh I mean, yeah. I mean, no, he's on the roster. He's on the roster. For like, the he's first not... couple of weeks he wasn't on the roster. He was just an update anchor. And now right. he's officially on the roster. Okay, because I mean they're very different <laughs> skill sets. They I are. know that. It I is. mean, I wouldn't even know I would have no clue what to do in there. Yeah, it's um, it is a lot different, and sometimes the internet is not on your side as yeah. Mark. And I've experienced you refresh and then it takes forever and you're like in the middle of an update. Uh, it's more stressful, don't you think, Martin? Oh, the update anchor, <laughs> yeah. Because, well, when you're hosting a show, you have a list of well, unless you're hosting it with Steve, you have a list of topics that you'll be addressing at some right. point, right? right? You have yeah. a general roadmap, yes. That doesn't mean I'm staying down Santa Monica the whole time. I might turn left, I might turn right, right. but at least I know how to get back home, exactly. With the updates, you know, what is it today? I don't know. Tiger Woods said he's sick, all right. right. I guess I'll throw that in there. As Monty found out yesterday, not that she didn't already know, that's the way I like. I like to keep my co-hosts on the edge of their seat. Right. Like, what's I not even during the break. It's rare. Well, occasionally, maybe I'll say. By the way, this is. Yes. But I still don't like to do that. Right. No. I. Uh, I'm I love you, that spontaneity. Martin, when I found out that I was going to work with Steve Hartman, I asked Bo Benson. I asked Ryan Bershinger, and they were both like, "Yeah, we we just let him talk. Like he just comes in, takes a seat, and he starts talking, and we all go with it. Mm-hmm. And follow my lead. Follow the lead. Yes. I, and I didn't mind it. I didn't and mind I, it at all. Everyone does such a great and job working to, with me. To be so. clear, that does not mean on the air either. Steve Hartman gets here <laughs> I was and about to say, starts talking. Yeah. It sounds like regular Saturday to <laughs> me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I like to sit in in the uh, update booth. I've Martin said many times. Uh, Isaac, I mean, like, come on. I terrorize Isaac. You every do time terrorize Isaac. He yeah. sends me pictures all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he, takes, he, t- he sends them to his wife as well. It's yes. unbelievable. Steve, I mean, it is 12.59.59. I'm on in one second. <laughs> I actually came in super early today for Isaac. I mean, I'm on the air at 10 uh, West Coast. I came in at 845. Oh, that is early. You're here really early. I said, I need extra time with you. Yeah, I want to hang out. And you know what I talked about? You. Oh, I I, I got that when I came in. Isaac was very excited to chat, uh, to have girl talk early in the morning. That's what Isaac wanted to do. No joke. Girl talk. Yes, guys. Luke List at the top of the list. There we go. Martin Weiss with the joke to start us off. 15 under par. Overall, Hideki. No, I didn't say that right. Hideki Matsuyama. That's how it Hideki. is. Right? Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki Matsuyama. Thank you, thank you. He and Will Zalatoris, along with Xander Schauffele, along with Patrick Cantlay, they are all one shot back. So it really is anyone's tournament. The Genesis Invitational. And then let's check in on the Stadium Series happening at MetLife Stadium. That's right, hockey at MetLife Stadium. So far, it's been all Islanders. They're beating the Rangers three to one after the first period. And in college. Hoops, we did have a big upset. Yes, Ohio State, who fired their coach just four days ago, beat number two Purdue 73 to 69. Back to you guys. Hey, I have a generational question to ask of uh, both you, okay. Monsi, and with Martin here. So, you know, every four years, or you would leap years, right? And we get the extra day, February 29th. It's always a presidential election year. And it's also an Olympics year Mm. in terms of the summer games. And as a kid, this was really significant to me. You know, whether it's 76, 88, whatever. It was, you know, these are every four years something super special. Do the Olympics 
have any major draw for either one of you guys? The mm. summer games. Not really for me. I mean, this year they'll be in Paris. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'll tune in, but there's nothing. Like, right now, I have no no I headline in my head of what I would be looking forward to. Well, Martin, the thing is, Monty, you'll watch the swimming. You'll watch the basketball. And probably some of the track and field. But outside of that. Right. Eh, I'll tell you this. It definitely registers more than the Winter Olympics, which yeah, I just call sure. Going to a country club in the winter. <laughs> well, if, if you're not into winter sports, although even that one, now they used to be in the same year. They now stagger them. So, you know, the ever, every two, you know, you, that idea. They used to be in the same year. Yeah. Um, what I do you mean? You're not locked into mixed doubles bobsledding. I'm, look, at I am zero in terms of winter sports. I'm a, a SoCal native. So, you know, I don't, you know. <laughs> But I would like downhill skiing. I sort of watch that kind of stuff. It was a lot different in those days because they would basically put together highlight packages as opposed to what we now, which is basically sustain. And then you have the different channels. You're going to watch this. You're going to watch that. And so they just keep creating sports. One of the new sports they're going to have eventually with the Olympics is women's flag football. That'd be fun. It's going to be an Olympic sport. Yeah. Olympic sport. I'm into that. Yeah. But so you're right, Martin. Like, we're going to watch basketball just because. You're not, into, you're not into women's flag football. I, if I wish women's flag football would have been an option when I was in high school. I'm not saying that's not true. So I'm not denying I, that. And but I'm, I'm not saying, saying women's that I'm, flag football is going to get the same viewership as, as speed walking or fencing. I don't disagree with that. But I'm saying I would be interested in watching it. Like the first time around, I would want to watch it. Not saying I'm going to stay interested. But the first time around. So I, you, you, Team USA's opening game, oh, the opening, the the first match of pool play, you might be locked in. But oh, I mean, you locked into the to national to the not national championship, the gold medal game where it's Canada versus Uzbekistan. You know, I, I might, yeah, like I, I think the first time around, yeah, yeah. So this, she, yeah. see, you're, are you saying you're not going to be sharing a seat next door to watch it? What I'm saying is, over the next summer, and my co-host will be one of them on Saturdays from. 8 to 11 is one of these people who will fool themselves <laughs> into thinking that they're really about to watch the individual melee relay, uh, medley relay of the swim. It's like, look, it's all, look, it, no one is watching this. You and, might be right. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, you're probably right. I, I just think there's going to be a few people that are actually interested. Not, but you're right. In the grand scheme of things, no. By the way, is I'm going to make a dent. I no. can't wait to watch the steeplechase. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I have an update on the golf. We have a five-way tie right Do now. Do we? Oh. Five-way tie. Oh, Luke List has fallen. He fell on Cantlay, Shafle, Matsuyama, and Zalatoris are all tied right now. That's exciting. And we are expecting some rain later today here in Southern California, so they need to giddy up right now to get this right. thing done. You're right. Yeah. So that could be, especially if they go to a playoff. Mm. <laughs> Could get a little dicey with the weather. All right, so we'll keep our eye on that. All right, Muncie, thank you very yes. much. All right, coming down with the other side, we're just going to put some uh, thoughts on what to watch tonight in this NBA All-Star game. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Hartman, Martin Weiss. Yeah, Fox Sports Sunday. I don't know where the time is gone, but... Once again, we're live from the TireRack.com studios. Our crew is second to none. Monsey. Yeah. We had a remarkable weekend, Monsi. A lot yeah. of stuff this week. It yes. was great. Good I stuff. should have just slept here. Martin and I. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> just uh, basically, 
You guys just switched seats. We really did. We really because he was here all day. I'm here all day today. We really so just. So I've been sitting in this one seat, but yesterday you were sitting where Martin is today, and Correct. Martin is sitting where you are today. Right. And you guys just switched seats. Yes. Yep. We really did. That's how it happened over these two days. So yes. uh, I appreciate very much both of you what you. Uh, Help me out over the last couple of days, because let's face it, right now, post-NFL football can be a challenge. Yeah, but you I could mean, have February, done four hours by yourself, like, Steve. I can always, I could go 24 hours. <laughs> I, go, I go 24 hours by myself most of the time anyway. Um, all right, so there's Bo, of course, our brilliant producer. Yesterday, he was uh, jumping on the cheese bandwagon. Today, he's back to his Dodger Blues, so uh, there's a certain level of normality there. Cheese bandwagon. That's mean. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, even... come on, you're an Eagles guy. And then he was making some kind of spin on, well, you know, the Chiefs. Everyone, how could you not like the Chiefs? I'm like, very Pretty easily. Much, uh, no, you know, oh, likable. how could you not love Andable, you know, lovable Andy Reid? And, you know, yeah. Well, I think the Andy, Reed, the, Andy connection, the Andy Reid connection is obvious. Okay, obviously, yeah, yeah. But he didn't win any championships for you in Philadelphia. Still like so. the guy. Yeah. So, uh, and Chris, of course, uh, well, very excited. The Monsi brought in some breakfast this morning. That was a big positive right now. Um, so we were, I, Chris, we were talking about you know teams that are are going to uh, rise from the ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Lions are a team that's going to go into twenty twenty four with some questions, and a lot maybe has to do with Dan Campbell, you know, after losing that NFC Championship game, reminding his team that you may never actually get back here. Sure. Um, So he's realistic about that. Uh, I I look at the Packers, where they ended up 2023, as basically where the Lions were a year ago, right? Yeah, it's... It's hard not to look at the NFC North and see a division. I mean, obviously, we never know until the season, but the Packers are on the up. Depending on what the, the we, we're assuming the Bears are going to take the best college prospect at quarterback in a while here in Caleb Williams. And they've already been retooling some of their defense when they picked up Montez Sweat middle of the season. We were wondering what they were doing. And I guess we got to see what the Vikings do. They're kind of aging and we have to figure out Kirk Cousins. But already you're looking at three teams that are going to be very competitive in that division. So, yeah, maybe next year, depending on how things break, the Lions got a little bit of luck with their health this year as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be a much tougher road to get back to where the Lions were this in the NFC Championship. Martin, did you buy into uh, Jordan Love's season and say, I mean, he was second in the league in touchdown passes. He was, but and then I, he let you know lit up the Cowboys, and I he mean, had a he really good, good second half of the season. First half of the season was kind of up and down. Some of the things, and I'm not like I don't pretend to be like a quarterback guru, a whisperer, or even great evaluator of talent, but he seems to me like he throws a lot of fadeaway jumpers when he's th- like he's always on his back foot. He's always kind of leaning backwards instead of standing up and rifling balls in. And it kinda, I have to get the numbers, but. His touchdown were, I mean, his turnover worthy play numbers were kind of dicey sometimes. Something to kind of work yeah, on. Yeah, but I mean, down the stretch, I mean, he had almost no interceptions. I know, I but mean, this is, this is what we did run. with Nick Foles about 10 years ago, where well, Nick Foles threw Nick a lot Foles of turnover worthy plays, yeah. but he never turned it over. And we just assumed that was great until it wasn't. Mm. Yeah. I, well, I, it'll be interesting. And then that's, that's the beauty of the NFL because. There are certain constants. I mean, we know the Chiefs will be there in some respect next year. And there's certain teams that always seem to emerge. But every year, every year, 
Teams just come out of freaking nowhere. It's the American dream, Steve. If you work hard enough, you too. All right, losing so, the playoffs. So uh, you're going to leave here. Uh, you're going to hook up with some buddies, and you're going to be hanging out and actually watching the NBA All Star Game tonight. Again, it'll be like a it'll be like a very small version of a Super Bowl party. It mm-hmm. will be on in the background. Do you have a standard fare when you're gathering with buddies in terms of what you're drinking and eating? Is like a, a standard, or it varies from event to event? I mean, Steve, I'm a man, so I go beer and fried foods. Those pretty much that's pretty much the fare. And, and <laughs> wings, <laughs> you name fried that qualifies. Mm, mm-hmm. So just anything fried then, more or less. All yeah. right, whatever. Pizza the, isn't fried though. Well, you not do every pizza. so often. You have to make an exception. That's that's very true. <laughs> mm. I think back to those days. Yeah, uh, yeah. I th- I'd wings sound really good to me right now, man. Because I'm with you. I mean, like you say, the the All Star Game is going to be something you'll be hanging out, talking, and look up every once in a while. Maybe a little highlight replay or something along those lines. All right, we are done for our day, but much more is coming up. So don't go anywhere because all the best you're going to get in sports is right here. This is Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury: the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.